Welcome back into another episode of The Owen Show. Episode 20 today, officially Super Bowl in the books. I'm Owen Burke, joined alongside by Tim Hunt per usual. We're back remotely, back remotely, back remotely here, folks. Uh, Scheduling Owen, difficulties, health concerns. And- yeah. Owen wasn't feeling great yesterday. I'm not feeling great today, but, you know, here we are uh, still doing the show. The show must go on, as they say. Yep. So yep. we are going to hop right into it. Obviously, the Super Bowl in the books this is the official Super Bowl episode, episode 20. Um, so we have one fan question today. No ads. We are strictly business today. So All business. Our first fan question comes to us from my buddy Kellen down in Texas. He asks, how much better can the Chargers and the Bengals get this season? Both teams are already pretty good, and they have a lot of cap space to work with. So I guess, which which team should we attack first here? Uh, let's, let's start out with the easy one. Let's start out with the Bengals. Um, okay. I don't think they're going to sign anyone that's a big-name free agent. Uh, really? They haven't in their past. Their owner's known for kind of being a cheapskate. So that's true. That's I would true. be shocked if getting to a Super Bowl all of a sudden changes that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would be really surprised. I mean, they could use pretty much every offensive lineman that's available in free yeah. agency this year. I, I think they have they have pieces on the O line. Like I feel like. They need like they need a star, and then I feel like they need another good, you know, like the, the solid player, the eighty-five graded guy on Pro Football Focus. You know, like they need one or two of those guys. And I feel like like you don't have to have ninety-five PFF graded guys across your offensive line for it to be good. You know, you can have a weak spot here or there, but like right now, the issue is is they have more weak spots than they don't. Yeah, they um, probably would like some secondary help as well. Uh, yeah. Uh, especially if Jesse Bates walks, uh, they really are going to need secondary help. So. They've got to get his contract done. Um, I think it's it's good for the team because he had a he had a dynamite year last year. He was a stud. He was the best safety in football last season. Not this season we just finished, but last season. This season, he I wouldn't say he struggled nowhere near as good as he was the year before. But then, I mean, even through the playoffs. We saw a return to form. You saw it in the KC game. He had the breakup that led to the INT against Kansas City in uh, in overtime, and he had a pick in the Super Bowl in the end zone. So he really picked it up towards the end of the year. So we'll see what his contract – I do think they need to bring him back. I think Von Bell played really well at the end of the year. They definitely need corner help. Chidobie Wuzie played decent uh, throughout the year, and Eli Apple was solid but in big moments was horrible. The thing I, I'll say this about Eli Apple because I know he's getting like trashed on right now. He is getting dumpstered on every time you open social media. He is a really good corner two, like a solid a guy that I wouldn't be upset that that's at corner two for me. Now, as long as I have an island guy at one, I'd be okay with him being my two guy. Which Chidobio yeah. Wuzier is not an island guy is the issue. Well, and he got a lot of the one responsibilities that night. So, I mean, guarding I Cooper Cup in the red zone is uh, is definitely like a one responsibility. Yeah, so. and I think Awuzie probably would have got scored on in that situation anyways, to be fair to him. Like, I, I don't think – I think Jesse, ba- I, Jesse Bates probably would have been their best option there. But, again, there's – Cooper Cup was the best receiver in football this year. That's the yeah. bottom line. He's probably scoring on just about anybody you put in that situation. It just so happened to be the guy that is – probably the most hated corner in the league at this point. Yeah. 
Um, so as far as Cincinnati, like I'd like to see him go after, I mean, as a Ravens fan, I don't want them to, but as an, as a, a bystander looking outside in, I think Teron Armstead is a the guy they have to gun after. Like you have to spend money in my opinion, because here's the thing. And a lot of people have been talking to me and I've had so many people tell me this last week and through the playoffs that Joe Burrow's going to run the division for the next couple of years. You know, Baltimore's finishing second at best the next well, five to 10 years. Well, well, gonna we're going to talk this. about that a little bit. I think later on down the road, I think I had that somewhere. Maybe not. Ah, maybe not. Maybe I didn't. I thought I did. But yeah, I, I, I go ahead and finish your thought then. Sorry. So, so my, the thing is, is this team played great. And it's hard for me to sound like I'm not biased. Being a Ravens fan is always going to come off that way. And just my own tongue probably makes it sound biased by the way I'm talking. But like this team was great. Burrow was great. Chase was worth the pick. They, they played great all year, and it was a great run. But they lost eight times this year, and they won five games by with a field goal like at the buzzer, you know? Right. And there's obviously a ton of flaws with this team. So for, for you to sit there and watch nine sacks versus Tennessee and seven sacks versus the Rams and a, you know, a game-winning field goal in every single game outside of the wild card – I don't look at that team like that team dominates their division for the next five years, especially not with Lamar Jackson, Baltimore Ravens being right in that same division. That well, makes it, no sense. I mean, yeah, I mean, that division is going to be tough. And then everyone kind of talking about them getting back to the Super Bowl right away. I mean, the AFC is really good. Like the AFC really, is loaded. Yeah, really, really good. There's teams that are going to be a Super Bowl contender next year that didn't make the playoffs this year. Yeah, and and I would say this, like, even if I, even if the Bengals were solid, they had a great O-line and just couldn't get it done, and you ask me, will they make it back to the Super Bowl right now? I would still bet no, and it has nothing to do with them. It's just the field. I, yeah. you know, I have to tell you without a shadow of a doubt that they can take down Kansas City, Buffalo, Tennessee, New England, Baltimore, and, you know, Indy's on the way up. The Chargers. The Chargers Tennessee. are on the way up. The the Raiders, possibly the Broncos. Like, literally, there are, like, three teams that I could look at next year. And I'm like, that team for sure will make the playoffs. The rest of them are, I'm like, it's open. It's a possibility, yeah. you know. And then there's, like, nine teams. There's Remind you, there's seven playoff spots. I look at nine teams. They ask you, I'm like, that team's a playoff lock. Which, obviously, mathematically makes no sense. But that's how good the AFC is right now. Yeah. So, so I, I, it's not going to be easy and teams that typically win these close games one year, it balances out the next. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically you average around 500 when it's one score or less games. Yeah. And usually it, it, I think they did a really good job of, cause usually it levels out beforehand. Baltimore was winning a lot of those games early on throughout the year. And they, I feel like they lost their last, they went on a six game losing streak to end the year. And I'd be able to go out on a limb and tell you that it was less than two touchdowns combined between the six games that they lost by. Yeah. So, so usually those 50, 50 games, usually it's not even a year at a time. It's like half a season, half a season, you know? So I definitely see them coming back down to earth next year. As far as LA goes, clock management. Like I think a lot of their issues are coaching wise. You have to kind of hold the band together. Obviously there's always spots you can get better at. You can always sure up the O line. There's a lot of talk about, Devonte Adams going out there this year, and if they let Mike Adam or if they let Mike, Mike Williams, Williams walk, yeah. maybe I don't think that's anywhere near the top of your priority list. If you're 
if you're LA at this point. I think getting an extra corner would help. Beefing up the pass rush around Joey Bosa would help. I think they need a lot of more ancillary pieces rather than going after like the star guy, like a Devonte Adams. Um, uh, I mean, I don't think pairing a De- uh, Devonte Adams with a Justin Herbert is ever like. I mean, wherever to turn your nose up, yeah, it. wherever Devonte Adams ends up, it's going to be a good sign, right? Like, there's there's no doubt about that. Um, corner help for them would probably be a focus as well. Um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but. I think he's walking out this year. Um, Chris Harris Jr.? Yes, he's a free agent for them. That's who it is. Thank you. Mm. Um, so, you know, they, they need some some spots. Now, they're they're a franchise that I could see spending some money. Like, yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if they went out and got some big names this offseason. But... Yeah, I think both teams need to spend money. I think both teams are going to have to learn that you spend money when you're winning. And right now, both teams are winning. Like you, this is where you go make the push. Yeah. And I feel like neither of those teams have been in this spot in a long time. This is the first time since Cincinnati's won a playoff game in 25, 30 years. The Chargers haven't been known for their long staying success. They've they've been known of where they finished this year at eight and eight, eight and nine, nine and eight. You know, like this yeah. is the Philip Rivers mod. This is what they do. They they get the ten to twelve wins every once in a while, but never do they sniff an AFC title game. And they have to break that trend. And to me, to break that trend, you have to spend money. And we'll see if they learn the lesson or not. Yeah, I mean, I'll say this about about both these franchises, because I think they're very similar. And people forget this. The Bengals were very relevant for a long time, like a very long time. They had the Carson Palmer years where they had um, Hoosman Zada and Chad Ochocinco or Chad Johnson. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and then it transitioned kind of into that Andy Dalton, AJ Green era. And then that would like kind of seamlessly transition right into the Joe Burr era. And yep. and they've always been good, not great. And it normally when things don't change your organization, it's tough to see them actually doing something right yeah. to like make that difference. When also the thing is, is like people are quick to forget. Trust me, I'm not. There was a year that Andy Dalton and the Bengals went 14 and two. Like yeah, that happened. Seed, I think that was a thing that is not a fever dream that happened. The red rifle, Andy Dalton had those boys at 14 and two at one point in time. Like this isn't a team that has been in the dumpsters for the last 30 years. Like they've been there. They've been to the playoffs. They just weren't able to win a game before this year. You know, and then Joe Burrow went and got him three playoff three playoff wins to get him to the Super Bowl. So the future is definitely bright in both LA and Cincinnati, but there's I mean, welcome to the NFL. There's always work to be done when it comes yes. to the roster. There's there's no such thing as a perfect roster. And if you do find yourself lucky enough to have the perfect roster, you're smart enough to know that you can always get better. Yeah, you know, like if if you're the best, you have to know that you still have to go get better so you don't get caught by somebody behind you. You know, um, so both teams have definitely have some holes that they're going to look to fill in the off season. But this is we're just now entering that window where we get to really nerd out on the free agency and the drafts coming up. And oh yeah, I see. I'm excited. I see a little free agency podcast or maybe oh, yeah. a draft podcast, and yeah, definitely oh, yeah. going to happen. Definitely going to happen. Well, let's talk about uh the big game. Yeah, should we? Why not? You know. Yeah, it's kind of important. Kind of a headline. Maybe maybe week. could be a big thing. Um, yeah. 
what were what was your overall feel of the game? Um, looking back on it, it doesn't it didn't feel like the Super Bowl. Maybe it was because it was earlier in the day. Maybe there's just something in the air. Like Christmas this year really didn't feel like Christmas to me. I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Went through the whole holiday, spent time with my family, went to my grandparents' house, and I just got back to home. You know, I got back home and went back to work the next day, and I was like, I just doesn't feel like Christmas. This didn't feel like the Super Bowl to me. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. what it was that maybe it's because I didn't go to a big enough party or whatever the issue was. It didn't feel as important as it was for some reason. But as far as the game goes, looking back on it, I feel like it was a tad bit boring at certain parts in it the was. second half. Yeah. But the big playability was definitely there. And then, of yeah. course, you have the lat, you know, the drive to seal it at the end was definitely it- exciting. It was definitely it was a different game than I thought we were going to get. I thought the offenses were going to be better. And I think a lot of people thought the Rams were going to dominate this game, which they really did not. Um, But, yeah, it wasn't really the game that I saw it being. I think there was a lot of, you know, there's always the nerves there. um, And it never felt like it went away. You know what I mean? Everyone was really tense and tight the whole game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was different. Neither team wanted to give up on the run, despite there being little to no success on the ground. Surprisingly, Cincinnati was doing better on the run. Uh, Joe Mixon was at least ripping off some decent carries, but L.A. couldn't get anything on the ground, man. That defensive front for Cincinnati was eating them alive at the line of scrimmage. And so there there was a lot of chess piece action, you know, which... To even to football fans, even to nerds like us, can be boring at certain times. Obviously, yeah. that's what this game was to a certain degree. And then, obviously, in the the second half, you know, the the Rams start to really, really feel the loss of Odell Beckham. You know, they get burnt right out the gate on defense, and then they come out in the next drive. And was it was it Chris Collins? I think it was Chris Collinsworth. Was like they're really gonna have to lean on. I can't remember the receiver's name. They're number two after Odell went mm. down. Yeah, I they're can't. Like, oh, here, let me look. It's, it's super weird. The kid with the weird name. They're like, they're going to really have to lean on him. And the next play, they throw a slant route to it, and he jumps it up in the air and he gets picked off. Um, uh, Van Jefferson. No, it's not Van Jefferson. It's the next kid, I guess. Van Jefferson oh. would have been two. Uh, Bryson Hopkins was who who would be the next kid. Would it be Hopkins? Okay. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who it was, but they're like, oh, you, they're really going to have to lean on him. And then the next play, he pops it up and it gets picked off and you're like, ah, shit. And then the chess match of the second half of them, like they just did not throw to Cooper cup at all. And then finally on the last drive, Stafford's like, I don't fucking care who's covered him. I don't care how many guys are covering him zone man blitz or not. I am throwing to Cooper cup and he's going to go make a play. And sure enough, let's talk about that. Cause that was maybe the weirdest, like grouping of plays I've ever seen. I would agree. It felt like Cincinnati's motto was, okay, we're going to just like get pass interference every time and not give a shit and just hope we get one by them. Yeah. Like literally that's what they felt like they were doing when they were guarding Cooper Cup. Why after the third time you didn't have him doubled is just beyond me. Yeah, um, I don't know how you can go into the red zone, especially inside the 10-yard line. With how dominant your run defense has been, take an extra guy out of the box, 
and I'm going to put somebody in man coverage. I want you to press on Cooper Cup, and I'm going to play another guy five yards behind him. And I said, you fucking read. If he goes fade, you fucking fly over there and you get it. You know? Yeah. You and, – and now, if the last drive hadn't went the way it did, maybe you don't. But after the year he's had, that had to be the number one guy. And it was also so weird for the Rams. You're like, throw it to him. Like, before the last drive in the second half, I think he had one – maybe one catch in the second half before the last drive. And then finally they're like, all right, well, fuck it. And then here we go. It was, it was just so bizarre. I mean, the officiating in that game was also just so weird. Like they weren't calling anything. Anything. I don't think there was a flag. I think there was like what? Two flags thrown up until the final minute and a half. Yeah. Uh, yeah, And then the second the Rams got the red zone, I think we had four penalties come through. It was just fucking weird. It was it was just a weird game. That like it was a good game because it was close at the end, kind of what you're always hoping for. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I'll say is the Cincinnati's defensive line was probably the most valuable group. They played so well, so and, well, and I feel like they got very little credit. Like for how well they played, I didn't expect them to be that big of an impact, but. Man, there was a lot of times that Matthew Stafford just had to get the ball out quick and fast. Like he, they really, they were the reason that Cincinnati was in this game. Hundred percent, more so than anyone. Yeah, and it didn't matter which running back was in. Sony Michelle, Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, they were eating guys alive within three yards of the line of scrimmage every single time. There was no lanes to be had. So I would agree with you. Their defensive line was extremely, extremely valuable, and. I don't know with Cooper cup is just that guy. Like, yeah, you could say what you want. Oh, he gets all this work out of the slot. Oh, he's not as athletic. Oh, he's not as talented. I don't care. <laughs> this guy went out there, won offensive player of the year, won the triple crown for receiving and won Super Bowl MVP. There's only been other one other wide receiver that's ever done that throughout his career. And that was Jerry Rice. The thing is, is Jerry Rice did that over his career. Cooper Cup did that in a single season. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. It was sorry, I got freaking background noise playing all of a sudden. Um yeah, I I can't I can't stand the argument of Cooper Cup anymore. Like it's gotta be over with at this point. Like it's it's gotta be. I mean, I get it. Yeah. Oh, he's not maybe he's not top five physically gifted wide receivers, but him and Matthew Stafford just work together for whatever yeah. reason. The duo works. I'm not going to discount that because like, and again, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. If you take away what a guy does well, all of a sudden he's not that good. Yeah. Isn't that crazy how that works? Yeah. You, like people are like, oh, well, Steph wouldn't be the great, you know, he wouldn't be that good if he couldn't shoot threes. Well, no, duh. Like, okay, cool. Like, right. It's the worst argument you could ever have, honestly. So I wouldn't say he's the best receiver in football, but like he cannot be ignored inside the top five conversation, in my opinion. I agree. It's not possible. The the big takeaways, I guess, for the Rams is one that trade paid off. Every mm-hmm. move that you've made, giving up all those first rounds, paying all this money to all these big names, um, it was worth it because you got a Super Bowl. Yep. Um, now to run it back next year, boy, that's going to be tough. It's going to be real hard to keep the band together. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen some brutal 
free agent list, but theirs is really, really, really brutal. Like they can. So who all are they? I know Odell's gone and Von yeah. Von Miller's gone. Von Miller's who, gone. Who else? Because yeah. um, Darius was, Williams, who's their cornerback two. Okay. Maybe yeah, he's cornerback two for them. I believe. I think so I think you're right. Yeah. Brian Allen, who's their starting center. Austin Cobert, who's their starting guard. Um, trying to think there's i think there's one more big-ish name no i think that's it but that's that's five super bowl starters right there yeah that are that played significant impact roles that are going to be gone yeah and it's weird to say i think odell's probably the one that's missed the most well they get robert woods back i was about to say he's probably the easiest one to recover from because yeah yeah, you throw robert woods in there and you're fine I forgot Robert Woods existed for a second. Not going to lie to you. And they also have Tyler Higby back as well. Yeah. Um, I, I think Robert Woods pieces. is not an upgrade over OBJ. No. Um, they're close. I think OBJ played great for the Rams. He worked in that scheme really well. But, and then who knows if Andrew Whitworth runs it back for another season or not to, you know yeah. what I mean? You're starting left tackle. So you're talking about losing potentially three starting line pieces. And, it's not like they have a late first rounder to go get some yeah. guy from Alabama to like throw in there. Right. Like Agreed, yeah. their first pick is pick 64, I think. So mm-hmm. uh, well, and there's a possibility still Aaron Donald just talked about retirement. We're going to, we're going to come around to that. So that's also a piece they could have to try to worry about, which there's, you can't replace that all the money in the world and the best free agent on the board can't replace what Aaron Donald does for that defensive line. Oh, God, um, Ex- excuse me here. Uh, they don't have a pick until the fifth round. Good Lord. That's fucking insane. <laughs> you want to know what their picks are this year? They have a fifth round pick, a seventh round pick, and they have Miami's seventh round pick. Holy hell. Well, their GM wore the T-shirt to the parade today and said F them picks. And God, I've never seen a more accurate T-shirt in my life. Oh, they can get some compensatory F- picks, though. So F- they got a chance. If, I mean, there's always trades that could be made to move into the, you know, the third if they want to, but who knows? They may have sent their scouting team home halfway through the year. Well, we don't have any picks. Just go home. We'll just, <laughs> just take you, whoever. You guys can take the year off. Yeah, take really, the year off. They were actually probably only in junior colleges because, like, uh, they're like, we're going to end up getting guys that you've never heard of. So, yeah. Which, who knows? It may pay off. You know, you spend your entire scouting budget on going after the the diamonds in the rough maybe you actually find one yeah who knows i I don't think there's probably never been a team that's been in this situation before with three picks in the first one being in the fifth round yeah i think they can survive some losses you really got to keep their you got to keep your offensive line together like that's just a must and i mean they are set for it like they have a solid defense the stars will still be on both sides of the ball and they have one of the best coaches in football you know so Anything is kind of possible, and I think the Bengals proved that this year that you don't have to have a perfect roster to go get there. You know, yeah. <laughs> if they, if anybody's proven that you don't have to have an offensive line to get to the Super Bowl, Joe Burrow and Cincinnati just did it. So, yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk about that too here. That's yeah. on our our on a list of things that we're gonna we're gonna cover here. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see. See what happens. I I don't think if I was a betting person, I would not bet any money on them running either one of these teams being back because it's going to be tough either way. 
So I would agree. Yeah, I would agree hundred percent. But, um, far as the Bengals side of things, again, we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh, it's going to be tough just with how tough the AFC is. Um, the AFC, excuse me. Um, I, I don't know what more you can, I mean, you really need an offensive lineman, right? Like there's no way they don't go out and get two or three, you know, whether it's a secondary guy in the free agent market and then use their first round pick on it. But yeah, I think, I think if if I'm Cincinnati's GM, I'm gunning after Toronto Armstead. I'm spending a first round pick on a lineman and I'm probably gunning after a secondary guy too. Like a, like a low end, like a Kevin Zeitler for Baltimore last year came and played really well. Not an earth shattering signing, not a top five guy at his position by any stretch, but a guy that's going to come in and give you that 80 to 85 grade. That's going to be the, not the guy that's going to win you any games, but he's definitely going to not be a reason that you lose any games. Right. You know, on the offensive line. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I still don't believe that they're gonna go out and get go after an Armstead. I don't, I don't think they will either, because like you said, it's just not in their nature. It's the same thing with Baltimore. I've seen a lot of people talking, and I, and we do this every year. When I say we, I mean the Baltimore. Anybody that surrounds the Baltimore fan base, media, anybody that's involved around the team does this thing where like, oh, we have this pick in the draft. You're like, this kid is projected to go five picks before us, but he's been sliding down the boards. Or like he's projected to go 10 picks above us, but he slid the last five picks in the last week. Maybe we should go up. Baltimore's not going to move up. Like I've seen Kayvon Thibodeau is sliding down boards. Now I think with the combine and pro days, he's going to rock it back up. This is a guy that's been the consensus number one overall pick since the draft last year. You know, they do their way too early mocks. You know, the second that pick 32 was in last year and, you know, and Kansas City made their pick that, or since Tampa made their pick, it has been, hey, who's the number one overall pick next year? It's been Kayvon Thibodeau since day one. It hasn't changed. Now, will he be number one overall come draft time? There's a chance not. Aiden Hutchinson's been skyrocketing up boards and a lot of teams think that Jacksonville should address tackle at one. But... With, with Thibodeau sliding, I've seen a lot of people talking about, oh, Baltimore should go up from 14 to 8 and go get him if he's available. And I would no 100% shot. agree. It's not going to happen. Baltimore doesn't move up in drafts. He doesn't. He does not slide out of the top five. I promise you that. I don't They're, think he will. T- like, once we get the combine and pro days in the books, I don't think he will either. But no I've shot. seen a lot of mocks where he falls to, like, 7 or 8. Yeah, I mean. There's a lot of people that are questioning his motivation, which we've seen this before. And never does it truly turn out to be true. In any case, um, yeah, Laramie Tunsil was a great pick for the Dolphins. So yeah, he's a stud. He's a he's a franchise left tackle for the Texans now, backing up you know their their franchise quarterback Davis Mills. So, <laughs> uh, Baltimore is going to take best available at fourteen, and I think as far as the Bengals go, that they're not going to break the tendency just like Baltimore won't. I don't think they're going to go spend money, but. God, if there was ever a time that they should, it's now, you know, like here's the thing I'll say too to that is as a fan and as someone who, you know, we talk about sports, it's more fun to use your imagination and do these things of like, oh, maybe he does fall and maybe they will trade up. But like, you know, it never happens, but it's always good. It's going to get clicks. It's going to get listens. It's going to be a popular thing to talk about. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If, if every sports media for every team doesn't go, 
could we be adding Devontae Adams this offseason? They're crazy if they don't say it, right? Like, it's it's going to be interesting because mm-hmm. he fits everywhere because he's going to be the best free agent out there. So Yeah, the only place I wouldn't take him is Kansas City just because you don't have the money to spend another wide receiver. That's the only way that that move doesn't work is if you're like, I'm paying two other receivers 15-plus a year. Right. I just paid my third one 15 a year. That's where that doesn't make sense. But very, there's not many situations that that happens, you know. Yeah, with the well. Bengals having $57 million, man, I would I would sink it in a guy. Cause I, don't, I don't think it'll happen. But I don't think so either. But like I said, I think it's a smart move. We'll, we'll see what ends up happening, though. Um, let's jump into some, like, uh, side topics. We're going to go slightly out of order here. I don't know why I put okay. these in the order I did. But I'll follow you. Uh, Super Bowl MVP. For Cooper Cup, I I I don't know. I have such mixed feelings about it. I I felt like it should have been Aaron Donald. I don't know how you feel. I would agree. That's who my pick was going into the game. Now, mind you, the stats on it, like you would go, oh, Cooper Cup, if you just looked at the box score. But overall impact throughout the entire game, it was definitely Donald, right? Like, Yeah, welcome to literally every football game he's ever played. Outside like was, of that first quarter when they really shut him down, like he was he was all over the place. Mm-hmm. In the second half, and then obviously on the final two plays, ate him right. alive. He, he stopped the first down conversion on third down to like get him to fourth, and then on fourth down he gets in the backfield, spins Joe Burrow down the end of the game. Yeah. And I, yeah. So it's hard. It's also hard not to go cup at the same time because. I think if if flip the you know flip the roles here, Cooper Cup goes down in the first quarter instead of Odell. I don't think they win the game because I don't think Odell can can go out and win the game the way that Cup did on the last drive. Yeah, I mean that's I that's the, fair. The, the rhythm and timing of what Cup and Stafford can do is way different than what Odell can. Now, I could also make the argument that they wouldn't have been in the spot because Odell would have broke one and took it to the house and it wouldn't have been a final drive type of game for them at that point. Right. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword, but I don't, I don't have an issue with cup doing it. Do you know, winning MVP? I definitely would have picked Donald too. Yeah. The other thing I'll say too, is I feel like OBJ would have gotten if he didn't get hurt. Cause he was dynamite open on big plays. Like I was like, man, this is dynamic. Like that's why that, that's why it works so well is because you had, Cooper Cup having the best single season by a receiver ever, and Odell is the two. And he was just, being the dynamic playmaker he does, it just, it works so well. And I would have loved to see what he would have done next to Devontae Adams in Green Bay, but we, I think we saw a pretty damn good year from both of them once he landed in LA. I agree. Um, Let's keep, we'll keep on the Rams. Um, I think you wrote this one in. Ramsey's still a top cornerback. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people talking about this, um, that he's not as good as we all think he is. He's not top. He's not the best anymore. A lot of people have been on the J.R. Alexander train for a long time. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are on the Javon Diggs train now for some reason. Oh, um, God. We don't want to talk about that. Yeah, I'm not. There's there's a lot of been names that have been thrown around and because he, he allowed 134 yards. If you look at the stat sheet, 134 yards allowed, which is the most he's ever allowed in – his career, it was on the biggest stage. So I wanted a chance to address this because I think, first of all, 
It's fucking ridiculous that we have to have this conversation. Because like I said, if you look at the stat sheet, if you don't watch the game, and I look at the sheet, yards allowed, 134. All right. Mm-hmm. 75 was a missed PI call, the face mask where he got drugged to the ground by T. Higgins. True. So that That's negates true. half the yards, like <laughs> yeah. right out the gate. That's very true, yeah. So right out the gate, we're knocking the total down to like 60, which is a solid game, being the number one corner and the guy that's on the island for most of the game. And then you look at another 46 of that was probably one of the probably the catch of the game by Jamar Chase down the sideline in the first half. And the thing that I say about that one is like, they're like, man, Jamar was cooking his ass all night. And I'm like, that's what, yeah, welcome to the life of being a press corner, you're going to get cooked a couple times. Like, but guess what? Three plays later, after he let that big play go down to the 10 yard line, what happened? Or down to the, like the 12 yard line, third and 10 crosser to T Higgins breaks it up, saves the touchdown. They're forced to kick a field goal. Yeah. You know? So if you, I'm not going to, if you did take the 46 away in the 70, that's 15 yards. So we're talking about two plays. One of them was a missed call for 75 yards. We're talking at 15, at most 55, 60 yards allowed by this guy. He is still the best corner in football. There's not a debate to be had, in my opinion. Like I said, you're going to see, and a lot of people were like, Jamar Chase cooked him on the last play. I don't know if you saw that picture. Yeah. Like, Ramsey's on the ground, chases 10, 15 yards down the field, no one around him while Burrow's getting spun, spun to the ground. Well, and that's the age-old paradox. Because Penny Sewell but it would have been there to give him the time, but I don't think another receiver on that team gets open the way that Reed ah, we'll talk about that. That's that's one of the next. We're ones coming we'll back around about. to that. Okay, we're, we're coming back. Yeah, around. that's like we're you're you're sniffing that category. Don't get too deep into it. Yeah. Um. So so Ramsey's still the best corner, and that is that is the epitome of being a press corner. Like look at Marcus Peters. A lot of Chiefs fans hated Marcus Peters when he was there, and a lot of Chiefs fans loved Marcus Peters because he got picks. They love the style of play, the trash talk. He's physical at the line of scrimmage. If which he's nowhere near as athletic as Jalen Ramsey is, but guess what? Here's the life of being a press corner: sixty to seventy-five percent of the time, you're going to take a receiver out of the game. They won't be able to keep up. You're going to drain them at the line of scrimmage. You're going to jam them off the routes. The timing's going to be off, and you're going to hold them out of a lot of plays. But the two to three times they catch you, you're going to look really, really bad. And Jamar Chase caught him two if not three times in that game well it's the Trayvon Diggs thing right like <clears throat> these guys that make spectacular plays get burnt because in order to make plays you have to take risks right mm-hmm. um the other thing I'll say to this is they asked Jalen Ramsey to do a lot in this game yeah um, like <laughs> yeah, a did. lot like this was this is the a really I would argue this has got to be one of the better wide receiver cores in the NFL um for a couple of reasons. One, how deep it is. I say how deep it is. I mean, it's really three guys deep. Still. Uh, I mean, Joe Mixon, you could throw in there as like a really good fourth option. But any one of those guys can be the number one guy any given night. Yeah. So, like, Tyler Boyd had nights where he was the best receiver. T. Higgins had nights where he was the best receiver. Jamar Chase, same thing. So, it's really, it's a really tough wide receiver core matchup. Because um, they all be- play so differently as well. Yeah, they're not I, carbon copies. There's no blueprint to beat all three of them. Like, there's three separate blueprints that you have to study. Yeah. So I I think that that has to do with part of it. I don't know if he's the number one guy anymore. I think he's still definitely a top five corner, top three corner in the league for sure. Um, 
he's definitely an elite corner. Like if you're asking me if I'd take Jalen Ramsey on my team, nine times out of ten I would. Yeah. Um next thing we gotta talk about, we'll stick on the Rams and then we'll circle back around to the Bengals here. Um is the Matthew Stafford for the Hall of Fame debate. I feel like this has mm. been a hot and spicy one. I can't remember. Richard Sherman, I think, tweeted about it. Is that yeah, Richard right? Sherman's been all over this on Twitter. It's He's got an interesting point, but I think it overall misses the mark for me, at least. Um, I mean, right now, Matthew Stafford is 12th on the all-time passing yards. So uh, to think, even if he has average years to finish out, he'll definitely be a top 10 guy with a Super Bowl. Is are you looking at the top ten list right now? No, I don't. I'm not. No? I can pull okay, it up. You real that quick, pulled up already. Okay. I was just curious because I have the Matt Ryan was a big guy that they brought into this comparison all week, mm-hmm. and like if Stafford were to retire today, probably I don't think he's the first ballot Hall of Famer, but I think he probably no. gets in. He gets in. Yeah. You know, it's it's he might wait two to three years, but I think he gets in. And Sherman's whole thing was like, oh, it's such a watered down thing now. Everybody's getting in. Hey, guess what? The game's evolving. As much as the stats may not look as impressive as they once did, they're impressive compared to everything else that's currently happening. You know? Yeah. Are you you want to so you want numbers here? I'm just yeah. I'm curious to where Matt Ryan is in the top ten. Oh, Matt Ryan's. I don't know. Is he in the top 10? Oh, for passing yards? Yeah. Hell no. Oh, yeah, he is. Oh, there he is. Yeah, he is. Matt Ryan is eighth all time at 59,000 yards. Yeah. Um, This is passing yards is always going to be one that's going to be really hard to gauge because we're going to it's like three pointers made. If we if we judged how good people were based off three pointers made everybody in the NBA today, like I'd say the 50th best player in the league today is better than Michael Jordan. Right. Because. At welcome to the NFL. Welcome to the NBA. We shoot threes. Welcome to the NFL. We throw the ball. You know. So I I think I think another interesting one to add into this too is is Philip Rivers a Hall of Famer because he currently yeah. sixth sixth all time at sixty three thousand yards. I think he is. I don't think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, and that's why I put him in the same class as Matthew Stafford. Mm-hmm. Now Rivers had years where he was, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL and I don't think Rivers never won an MVP no. but Ryan won an MVP which I get but outside of that one year never really did much with the team around him you know what I mean so I think the best comparison to him would probably be like a Kirk Cousins where it's like yeah he's got great stats but like what has he done you know what I mean yeah I'd agree with you where at least like you know Dan Marino, who never won a Super Bowl, was dominant, was easily the best quarterback for years. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that Super Bowl matters because I think if Matt Ryan won a Super Bowl, I think he gets in. So I it it's tough. I think I think Phil I think Matthew Stafford's a Hall of Famer. Um I know one of the points that a lot of like sportscasters have been making is the two best wide receiver seasons of all time have both been with Matthew Stafford as the quarterback. So yeah, if, if league history, if NFL history looking 50 years ahead, if I'm telling my son the story of the NFL and if I have to mention your name, like I cannot accurately 
portray the NFL how it was during the time you played without mentioning your name to me, you're a Hall of Famer. Yeah. So he, he is pivotal. Because if I was like, Calvin Johnson is the second best receiver of all time, and he had one of the most dominant years in NFL history, and then 10, 15 years later, Cooper Cup had arguably the greatest, if not second, third best season any receiver's ever had. And my son's like, oh, who's his quarterback? Who is each guy's quarterback? I'm like, funny story. It's the same guy. I have to mention that, Matthew, like, that's not a thing that is prompted by a question. That is part of the story. I have, like, that is a thing that I outright tell you. By the way, this guy was really good. And people are, they draw the record back into it, too. Matthew Stafford played in Detroit for 10 years. For 11 seasons, he played in Detroit. Right. And when you look at the greatest Detroit Lion football players that have ever played. He's top three. He's top three. I think he's third behind two other guys that quit after year 10. That's Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson. You know, and but he didn't hang it up. He only played an extra year past those two guys. But I, I think playing in Detroit for ten years is, to me, like, and I know it sounds like a joke, and you can act, you know, whatever you want to say if it is or not. Like, that is a notch on your resume, in my opinion. You're like Super Bowl MVP, you know, Super Bowl champ, led the league in passing yards twice, threw a five thousand yards in a season, whatever. Played in Detroit for ten years and didn't retire. That is a, that is on your list of accomplishments, in my opinion. Right. And well, yeah. There's there's a difference. It's not like we're talking about Joe Flacco getting into the Hall of Fame. You know yeah. what I mean? Like Joe Flacco's top twenty in passing yards of all time, but he, there's no shot he gets into the Hall of Fame with only one Super Bowl. There's no way. It's yeah. just not. It's just not possible. There's a there's a difference between being because Matthew Stafford will be top ten by the end of next season. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I say that he might not be, he'll probably be 11th. He's at 49,900 yards. So we'll call it 50,000. So if he throws for 3000, he'll pass John Elway and yeah, I'll pass John Elway to be the 11th guy. Cause the problem is number 10 right now is Aaron Rodgers. So, uh, yeah. he's not catching Aaron Rodgers. He's 5,000 yards behind him, but at least not next year. So I don't know. I, I don't get the soft comparisons. I really don't understand them, but yeah, everybody's just got to be compared to everybody. And that's, it's the worst day of best part about doing this. Now, I of, think, I think if Matt Ryan wins the Super Bowl, I think he's in. I Do think he agree? probably, I, I think he still gets in. I don't think he's the first ballot guy. You think Matt Ryan gets into the hall of fame? If he retired today, I, it's not a lock. I, think I don't think he, he gets in. I think he would, but I wouldn't bet any money on it. I could definitely see him not. It's it's a 50-50 coin flip type deal. I, I don't think he right does. I, I, think, I, I think it's too, huff, too the tough. More, the, yeah, the more we talk about it, the more I lean towards no. I, I wouldn't say that it's like 100% out of the realm of possibility because there's been guys that have made it where I was like, meh. Well, you, I mean, we also have to realize that this is a committee that votes. They get shit wrong every once in a while, too. That's like, true. <laughs> I mean, more than likely, Matt Ryan will finish in the top five all time of passing yards, which is crazy, crazy. Welcome, yeah, it's welcome to the league we're in. That's... He he's at fifty nine thousand yards to get into the top five. He's got to beat sixty four thousand, so he's got to throw for roughly four thousand yards. Probably two seasons, unless he has a good, a really good year next year. Yeah, but I don't know. It's tough. 
It, it's crazy. I mean, it's it's nuts. So I I don't know. I feel like we've talked about this for long enough at this point. Um, let's we, uh, we wrap him back into Cincinnati here. Yeah, let's let's wrap back into Cincinnati before here. before we get to the one thing that you have. I do want to talk about their quarterback since we're on quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about Burrow and his placement amongst the top five, top ten, top fifteen, wherever you want to put him. Because mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of talk about this as well recently, and I think this would have been a more interesting topic had they won this game. Mm-hmm. But I kind of wanted to he- see where you would have been with the loss and with a win. Where do you feel like he would have ranked amongst NFL quarterbacks right now? Uh, it's tough. I'd have to do some thinking just with everyone who's like Tom Brady retiring shakes things up, obviously. Right. Yeah, so you're losing yeah. a guy out of the top five, top three. Mm-hmm. So like that makes it a more interesting conversation. I I don't think Joe Burrow win or loss is a top five quarterback in the NFL. Okay. And I'm going to say the same thing for Matthew Stafford in the same breath. Like, I don't think either one of them are top five guys. Now they're both like right on that cusp. They're definitely top 10 guys, Mm -hmm. but I don't think either one of them is top five. I would agree with you. And if they are, they're five at best. At best. Yeah. I think Um, Stafford, maybe you could argue for five. I've had a lot of people. I've heard a lot of people talk about this. And I, man, I'm, I, I don't like to like prey on people's downfalls and like be happy that somebody lost, but like, I'm, I am glad that Joe Burrow lost this game, that the Bengals lost this game because I was hearing some crazy shit this last week about if Joe Burrow wins this, he's, he's going to hop Josh Allen. He's the second best quarterback. He possibly overtakes Patrick Mahomes. I'm like, you are high. And people were coming at me like, oh, of course the Ravens fan doesn't think that Joe Burrow, you know? And I'm like, no, 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 no. Because listen, because if I, or anyone back in 2012, Baltimore wins the Super Bowl, no one jumped Joe Flacco into the top three. Not a, that wasn't a conversation to be had. I, you could barely argue that he was elite back in the day. And we're like, oh, Joe Burrow won a Super Bowl and he has a cool nickname. So obviously he is also, I think it's uh, uh, kind of a crock that they didn't put Joe Flacco in the Joe Cool graphic they had during the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Put Joe Montana, they put, who are the other guys? Joe Namath and then Joe Burrow were the three. Yeah. I feel like Joe Flacco earned his, his name on that wall. No, he, is, he didn't. But he he has the greatest postseason or the second best postseason by any NFL quarterback ever, and no one can ever take that away from me or him. Okay, sure. I'm not gonna. I mean, I'm not gonna like deep dive into that. But we can't argue. Yeah, we don't have time to argue about it too much. We don't. We don't have a ton but, of time to argue about it. But I don't. I don't think that yeah. alone earned you a spot. Like, I'm. I'm glad we're on the same page. But it's just. It's one of those things that. The, I'm glad that we're on the same page about it because there was a lot of unnecessary burrow hype. And it's very hard for me to talk about it and try to bring people down to earth without sounding like a hater. Because that's what everyone thinks automatically. They're like, oh, you're just a you're a biased Ravens fan. They're going to run the division and you're salty about it. Get over it. And I'm like, no, you guys are being effing ridiculous to hop a guy into the top three because of a six-game stretch. Like, he threw for 900 yards in two games. He played against the horrible Chiefs defense in a Baltimore secondary that's been ravaged by injuries since day one. Yeah. There's context, just like the Jalen Ramsey thing in the the 134 yards. There's context to everything. I am sick of these these stat sheet warriors, the the box score legends that are – 
talking to me week in, week out on social media and in person at work and whatever. It's ridiculous. I, I'm going to, I think without Tom Brady being in the NFL, I think Matthew Stafford is probably the fifth best quarterback in the NFL. Um, I, I think is, is where I'm going to stand on that. Um, I think Joe Burrow is like close right behind him, but yeah, I think they're, they're pretty, they're both top 10 guys. They're both guys that you don't look to try to restart your franchise with. You know what I mean? Um, like, and, and like, there's like, we've talked about, it's so hard when you try to do top 10 and things like that. I think there's classes of elite can win a super bowl. You can win a super bowl with, and then there's this caveat group where you can win a super bowl with them, but you're going to need a lot of help. You know what I mean? Um, and they're guys you look to move on from. So I think they're better. They're both better than Kirk Cousins, right? He's always my benchmark. Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Ryan Tannehill are in that same class of like, yeah, I'm not looking to move on from them, but they're definitely not like. But if the upgrade player. knocked on my door, I'd take it in a heartbeat. Yeah, and I and I wouldn't, but I wouldn't for Stafford. Like I wouldn't go draft a guy if I had mm-hmm. Joe Burrow or Stafford right now. You keep no. them both, but yeah. yeah. Um, let's, let's get into this argument because I have some strong feelings about it. So I'm, I'm probably going to start with this, okay. this whole discussion of Bring offensive tackle. You know, do you take Penny Sewell or do you take Jamar Chase? So I think this argument of, you know, they should have gone offensive tackle cause they probably win the Super Bowl. Let's, let's start out with a couple of things. One, no, they don't. They don't even get to the Super Bowl without Jamar Chase. Like, <laughs> There is not a doubt in my mind that without Jamar Chase, they don't make the playoffs this year. Now, yep. maybe they sneak in as a wild card team or, you know, they barely inch in or they're barely just miss, but there's no way they're in the Super Bowl without Jamar Chase's dynamic play. Yeah. So this argument is absolutely ludicrous to me. And somebody being like, well, on the last play, if you had an offensive tackle, you would have won. Yeah, you wouldn't have had the dynamic receiver who was wide open that just burned Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, like, it's have a you paradox. Lost your mind? It's like, a paradox. Yeah, it would be great if you had both, but you can't. And yeah. I still think they made the right decision. I agree because, and we we talked about this because we we were both on the Penny Sewell train, if I remember correctly. Like, I don't remember where I was to be honest with you. I remember being like, "You guys are effing idiots." I'm like, I understand. I'm glad it was Chase because if it would have been anybody but Chase or Sewell, I really would have been like, "What the hell are you doing?" And when they took Chase, I was like, "I still think you're going to regret." Now, if Joe Burrow doesn't get hurt, you could justify. But like, we're talking about a number one overall pick that you just spent on this kid. And you have a chance to get the best tackle on the board and you went receiver. And I, I 100% agree with you. I, and I would be able to bet my house that if without Jamar Chase, they take Penny Sewell, no Jamar Chase, they don't make the playoffs. Because there was way too many games that he not only affected, not strongly affected or strongly influenced, that he won. They do not beat Kansas City without Jamar Chase. And I'll tell you what, they wouldn't have had the chance. But even if they did, they wouldn't have beat Kansas City a second time without Jamar Chase. So... I do think they made the right choice because the it's the chemistry between him and Joe Burrow, the built rhythm and timing. There is no learning curve to be had. There's no what if they don't work together. You can build an offensive. I can go sign Teron Armstead and take Charles Cross in the draft. And build be okay. it, yeah. Yeah, you know, they may not be like Teron Armstead's better than Penny Sewell. Maybe Charles Cross isn't or whoever the, whatever tackle I draft isn't. But still... There's there's no receiver in that class or definitely not in this class that would have came in and had the impact that Jamar Chase did year one. Yeah, 
I, I think I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on it because I genuinely do think it's just absolutely crazy. The people that are going that think there's an argument the other way because they're not here without Jamar Chase, without no. his play. They don't have as good of a season. And those one score games, I mean, I don't know if there's a plus minus stat. I don't think there is for the NFL, but you can't tell me Jamar Chase is plus minus. They flip the one score the other way. 100%. Exactly. It's a, exactly. it's, it goes from a seven point win by the Bengals to a seven point loss by the Bengals. In my opinion. I, I agree. I think or a three yeah. point loss, whatever it is, you know? Yeah. I think he holds bigger value than people ever want to give him credit for, but let's talk about some headlines uh, that are Man, going on. Bring um, it home. Aaron Donald, Sean McVay talking about retiring. Uh, kind of floating the rumors around. Um, I, I think it's interesting on both ends, to be honest with you. Um, we were talking about this kind of before the show started. Mm-hmm. I think Aaron Donald right now as it sits is the second best defensive player of all time. With a, with a solid argument for one. Yeah, I think it's close, but I just think longevity is the only thing holding them back at this point. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So... I don't think it's crazy for him to want to hang it up because man, that's got to be grueling to go against 300 pound guys, especially as an undersized guy like himself is like, that's got to be really tough. He's six one. And I think we also have to take, it's absolutely insane that this guy has only been in the league for seven seasons now and has cemented himself as the second greatest defense player of all time. Yeah. And has had a year with 20 and a half sacks, 25 tackles for loss at the defensive tackle position. I think the only person, you know, I still think LT has been, was dominant for a little bit longer. And that's like the thing that, you know, maybe is holding Aaron Donald back. But for him, what else do you have to prove? I mean, you get your Super Bowl. He's been paid. I, I don't. I'm, I think we're in this age of enlightenment for players, and I don't understand where this argument comes from. That we we just say he's arguably the best, if not the second best defensive player of all time. The only thing he has left to prove now is taking the arguably out of that sentence. Yeah. And I don't think it's going to – it's going to take what he's done for the last seven years another two years, and I think he's got it. Um, yeah. And, and I compare him to LeBron James as far as the awards go because he's – what a, a three-time AP Defensive Player of the Year, one Defensive Rookie of the Year. We all know, and it's the same thing with LeBron in the last 5, 10, 15 years, whatever you want to say, not every year, but most years. Yeah, he didn't win the MVP, but we all know who the best player in basketball is. Yeah, right. he didn't win DPOY. We all know who the best defense player in football is. There hasn't really been a debate to be had or anything. TJ Watt is as good as they come, unless your name is Aaron Donald. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's the the bottom line of that, that point. So the only thing that I have is like, and if he were to hang it up this year, I wouldn't be mad. I don't think anybody has the right to be mad. He's done everything that he, he can, could, and should have has been whatever title you want to slap on for the Rams and the NFL and the position. It's I, I want to see him cement himself. So yes, I want to see him play another two, three years, hmm. but I don't think he has anything to be ashamed of if he were to hang it up. That's for sure. Yeah. McVay, on the other hand, is a little bit more interesting. Um, Agreed. Because he's got a long way to go before he's in the all-time coach list, right? Like, Yeah. He's chasing some legends right now. Uh, 
So I, I, I don't fully get it for him. I mean, he's a young guy. Again, he's got paid. He got a Super Bowl. Maybe it's just time, but I, I would guess they both come back would be my guess. I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, and he would be and, – and the thing is like, oh, he can make more money doing TV. He's going to be a good TV guy. Okay, well, yeah, welcome to the life of the good-looking kid who's a freaking genius when it comes <laughs> to football. You're going to do good on TV. Here's the thing, man. You could coach for another 15 years and still be good on TV. Right, like, exactly. There is plenty of time for that. A lot of coaches and players go from the field or the sideline to coach – or to TV – Rarely, rarely, I say rarely because it has happened and we've seen it happen in the last two years. Do guys go from TV back to the front office or to the GM or, you know, to the coaching spot? It's possible, but it's not, it doesn't happen as often. Yeah. So I think he's still got plenty of work to do. And again, but here's the thing. Like you could pull the stats. How many head coaches have won a Super Bowl in the NFL? There's only been 56. Bill Belichick has six. A lot of coaches have more than one. Like he's probably one of the twenty to thirty, possibly forty. I feel like at most coaches that have ever won a Super Bowl in the NFL to be head coaches and win a Super Bowl. So right. he's etched his name in history. If he wanted to go do TV tomorrow, he could. And I don't think again, there's going to be people like, "Well, you could have done so much more in the league." Yeah, well, the, it's the same thing with Donald. Everybody can always do more. So could a Calvin Johnson, a Barry Sanders, right? <laughs> so could Tom Brady. Like so Tom Brady technically could. So. At 44 years old, like this conversation isn't just because of the age factor. It's just anytime you hang it up when you're at the top of your game, people are going to ask you that. And right now, Sean McVay is the top five head coach in this NFL. Uh, so, it, but TV will be there, man. You could do this for five years. Wait until the Rams suck, then go do TV. You know, like, right. Yeah. There's no, there's no hurry for it. So that's the thing that I don't fully get is, you know what I mean? Why right now? Like, why would he leave now? I agree. You're, you're like, we said it's, it's going to be hard for them to run it back. I, we didn't say it was impossible. Right. Uh, there's no such thing as impossible. I think Joe Burrow and the Bengals proved that. Um, so, I mean, if Aaron Donald's running back, I, I can't imagine Sean McVay goes to TV. Uh, definitely going to happen in the long run. But I think we're still a ways off from that. Happening. Yes, I would. I would agree a hundred percent. Next thing, kind of moving off Super Bowl stuff. Some some general headlines from this week. Colts moving on from Carson Wentz. It's the the quarterback headline section. That's what this is. Yeah, which is uh, pretty pretty interesting to me. I would mm-hmm. say the least. I don't know kind of where you're at with it. Um, we're we're both I think Wentz guys in general. Uh, I don't fully get the move of saying, hey, we're going to move off of this guy, especially for how much you gave up for it. I think you have to run it back for at least another year. I thought he played well enough at the end of the year to maybe push this team over the top. Uh, And it's not like he has a ton of weapons around him either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, his best receiver this year was Michael Pittman, who is on the rise. And their best part about the team was the run game. So... When I look at just Carson Wentz and the team, how they played, how he played, I can understand the want to move on. You feel like you have a Super Bowl window as far as your roster goes, Mm -hmm. but the quarterback play is not there. Here's the thing. Not just your building is not the only thing that matters here. You have to look outside of your building and what you can bring in. You brought in Carson Wentz. You gave up a decent bit, and you could take a loss for him if there was a Joe Burrow in this draft class, if there was a Trevor Lawrence in this draft class. There's not 
there's not even a, a, a Baker Mayfield in this draft class. Like we're looking at the top quarterback going off the board at eight and there's still, that is a reach still, you know, at yeah. Kenny Pickett going at eight at this point. So who are you? And we, we said, this is a, we're broken records about this. Both of us are as far as this coaching. And then the same thing applies to quarterbacks. Any move can look good. As long as it's an upgrade, who are you going to bring? in that's going to be better. Here's what I would do if, if I were the Colts uh, is I would maybe, I mean, maybe if you can get aggressive and go out and get a Deshaun Watson or a Russell Wilson, or, you know, one of these veteran QBs, I think about it, but the problem is you're not going to have a ton of capital to kind of pair with Carson Wentz or whatever to kind of get that move made. Mm-hmm. I, I think that'll be really hard to do. I think about it. If I'm then, I go out and get one of these wide receivers in the free agency class, right? You have Devontae Adams, uh, Juju Smith-Susser, Mike Williams. You you have some names out there. Possibly a Chris are, Godwin's, possibly an Odell. Yeah, there's there's some – I mean, Odell, we'll see with that injury. But there's there's some guys you could go out and get that's going to bolster this, this wide receiver core. Mm-hmm. I do that, and then I use my second-round pick on a quarterback. So – there's three or four names that everybody's talking about. One of them will more than likely slide into the second. You know what I mean? Um, and and maybe you move up to get that guy. But outside of that, man, I don't I don't really get it. I mean, if I could quietly gun after Aaron Rodgers and sign Devontae Adams for free agency, sure. But again, what we're talking the about these these perfect situations that kind of have to happen at this point. Yeah. Um, so, and you have to be careful because if your name is swirling in headlines week in, week out, all the Colts have been talking to the Packers, they're really involved in Aaron Rodgers talks, the same thing. And you hear these things about Russell Wilson, possibly Deshaun Watson. I don't think that'll happen. I That that Texan straight, I think, is iffy at best to start. And especially mm-hmm. being in division, I can't imagine them wanting to play against them twice a year. Um, But I Carson Wentz has been a guy that's been affected heavily by things that are happening around him with the front office and the coaching staff. If your name is swirling in headlines for weeks and weeks upon end, I think it's going to affect his play yeah. and it's going to affect his morale inside the building. And if your QB morale is down, guess where your team record is down, down. Well, and how does that not get in your head after a while? If you're yeah, I, I can't blame. It's not a Carson Wentz thing. It's a human being thing. Yeah, it has to eventually. Right. And agreed. This would be the second team to kind of do this to him in the last couple of years. And, and he has to know that if it doesn't work out here, this is the end, right? Like it has to be. So I, I don't get it personally. It doesn't, it doesn't make much sense to me at all, but to each their own, I guess. I, oh. I, they, yeah, they have to get one of the veteran guys for it to be worth it in my mind. If not, just use a second round pick. Hopefully it develops into somebody. Very rarely yeah. do they happen, but you never know. Yeah, it is very rare. But speaking of guys being taken in the second round and developing and possibly being shoot out the door now, I want to take a sec before we move on into the next spot because mm-hmm. there's been a lot of rumors swirling around Russell Wilson and a possible Eagles deal mm-hmm. and shooing Jalen, Jalen Hurts out. So I kind of want your opinion on that. So, I, I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be too upset about it because it is a significant upgrade. Um, and we've talked about this. If you're the Eagles, you have the draft capital to go out and get a, a Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't know if I love the move because it feels like you could make this team significantly better with three first-round picks. Um mm-hmm. 
go out and get three starters and and this team i mean this team made the playoffs this year so they weren't competitive at all don't get me wrong but it feels like a move that maybe maybe you do it i i mean i don't know why russell wilson would want to go here that's the interesting thing to me yeah, I think it, it revolves around the price tag because I agree. It's very hard to turn your nose up at the offer. Um, so it really comes down to the price tag at that point because it's one of those things where, I mean, you're going to do just about anything if the price tag is right, you know, because like if I was the Bills, I wouldn't trade Josh Allen for anything. But the Chiefs were like, hey, I'll give you Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. You're like, all right, well, see you later, Josh Allen. Like, you yeah. know, <laughs> there is. As dumb as that sounds, like, and obviously the situation is much, much different, but so it would, it would really come down to the price tag, but my instant reaction, I feel bad for Jalen Hurts. I do. Cause I feel like he was never really given a fair shake and then he finally did. And then they traded for Gardner Minshew just in case. And then they were like, no, you're still the guy. And now they got him to the playoffs. And I'm like, actually we're thinking about you know, now I'm hearing this Russell Wilson rumor, and I'm like, this kid cannot catch a break. It's a second yeah. round pick. They bring in Gardner Minshew. They were hesitant to trade Carson Wentz. Now they're looking at Russell Wilson. You're like, this kid, despite making the playoffs and having a great year this year, is still looking at to possibly being replaced. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Hurts is just he's he's just such a borderline quarterback. He hasn't done a ton that makes me want to go. Okay, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'll um, invest. Yeah, so I, it's just – it's a tough spot to be in. Um, yeah, I I think if you can go out and get Russell Wilson, you do it. I still think they need a lot of pieces, though. That's the thing is Russell Wilson, you know, you're a playoff team, but how much better do you get when you go out and get a Russell Wilson? Do they become a Super Bowl contender? I, I don't think so. Um, so that's really the struggle when it, for me at least of, like, why – why? I mean, I get why you would do it, but at the same time, I'm not sure why, because you're still kind of far away. Yeah, I would agree. And that division's is as much as it's unpredictable and it kind of sucks sometimes. It's also pretty good. Like it's very yeah. weird because nobody's. I mean, the Giants are pretty bad, but like nobody's horrible, but nobody's great. Dallas should be, but I, never mind. Not gonna get there, but. <laughs> We're going to try to avoid. The, I'm going to yeah. skip the Dallas hate this week. I'm going to try to. Yeah, we're going to. We got a buddy who he can't handle any more of it. So <laughs> we have been pretty steadily on him, even when they're not playing. So, yes. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It doesn't make it doesn't make sense in my mind because I don't I don't know if he makes you a Super Bowl team. I don't I really don't. Uh, okay. I don't think I don't think Philly's a better setup right now than Seattle is. So defense is maybe a little bit better, but not much at all. If any, I, I think, I think Philly is better set than Seattle is. Um, uh, but st- I don't, st- I still don't think they're set for a Super Bowl. Is the thing. Yeah. Um, I think Philly's closer than Seattle is by a decent margin, to be honest with you. But again, it's not a team that I feel like is elevated to a Super Bowl. They would have to go do other things to get there. And it's now, hard to, it's hard to make that splash and then tack on to it. Now, is it a is it a package deal where they maybe get like a DK Metcalf with it or a Tyler Lockett with it? You know what I mean? Like yeah. that could be more interesting to me because um, yeah. then your offense becomes dynamic immediately, right? So, I I I I don't know. It just kind of depends. I think. I would agree with you. 
Um, no contract for Lamar. Let's talk about that. How how is that man not under contract yet? I don't I don't understand what's happening. Uh, it's hurting my soul to think about it, let alone talk about it. Um, so he's representing himself in contract negotiations, which already never usually bodes well. Sometimes I mean you could get around it and you could make it work, but it never enhances the situation by any stretch. Right. Um, I don't know, because uh, Baltimore is not usually one to be stingy when offering extensions. Now they're stingy with who they offer extensions to. Like I said, Baltimore is a Pro Bowl player factory. Look at C.J. Mosley was once considered soon to be the best linebacker in the league, and has now played a total of like sixteen games in three years with the Jets. Well, that is being... is that is that a Ravens effect or is that the Jets effect? Let's let's do both. We'll say let's, both because I both. I could pull you know multiple names. Baltimore's really good at drafting these guys, them being really good and them walking. Um, yeah, but that's the welcome to drafting so well you can't pay everybody. You know that's yeah. the thing. But Baltimore, the the thing that makes me nervous here is that I've heard that that contract is no slump deal at all, and that they were pretty set on a deal and then Josh Allen's deal came out and he wants more than Josh Allen makes, which is, I don't, I don't know if he'll get, he wants to be paid. He wants to be the second highest paid quarterback in the league. I'm, I'm on one hand, I'm happy that he knows that he's not, he shouldn't be the highest paid quarterback in NFL history. Um, Neither should have Joe Flacco, but he was at one point. People are soon to forget that as well that Jared Goff and Joe Flacco were both at one point, the highest paid quarterbacks in NFL history. Crazy. Yeah. Um, Aaron Rodgers has held that title. Patty holds it now. Um, but Josh Allen kind of reset Lamar's market on what he wanted. They offered him generational talent, you know, generational wealth level contract, something around the 40 plus 40 million a year, 40 plus mark. And he wants more. Um, so I'm terrified because Baltimore's kind of handcuffed in this situation, to be 100% honest with you. Um, as good as Tyler Huntley was and is, I don't – obviously, he's not a guy I'm betting my franchise on going forward where I'm like, we'll just let Lamar walk and fucking – You definitely can't the do that. There's no. no way you can do that. And if they go out and get any other quarterback that's not named Malik Willis, it's a full reset on the playbook again, just like it was when they brought Lamar in. You know, this right. offense – completely changed. It was an air raid, throw the ball up down the sideline to Torrey Smith or over the middle to Anquan Bolden. And that's what Joe Flacco, you know, made his career off was the deep ball. It was an air raid offense. Like they moved the ball down the field. That's what Baltimore mm-hmm. did in interchanging with power run plays with Ray Rice. And now they're the best rushing attack in NFL history. They're still the third best this year, despite losing every running back that was on roster last year and Lamar for six games. They were still the third best running team. So this is a running football team. And Lamar Jackson is pivotal to what Baltimore does. Not only obviously in the passing game, but what they do as an offense as a whole. So it's not like you could be like, oh, we'll just go get somebody else. There is no Lamar Jackson to go replace, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's tough because he's coming off a down year, right? Like if he had an amazing year, like he did two years ago. Yeah. You pay him without question and you get more than Josh Allen, but after what I've seen for out of Josh Allen the last two years and compare that to what I've seen out of Lamar Jackson the last two years, I don't know. That's a tough spot. It really is. And 
the problem for Lamar is is the Ravens hold all all the chips right now because they can franchise tag him, and mm. after that they can franchise tag him again. And if he gets hurt or has another off year, I mean his value is just going to plummet. That's the scary part if you're Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I would agree. Because um, if they don't make the playoffs again next year, how do you justify paying him that much money? How? Yeah. And I would agree. And this one, it's it's a weird year to look at because as much as it was a down year, he also was hurt for the last six games. Like, Baltimore was the one seed in the AFC at one point. And they lost right. six straight without him, which as much as it was a down year and you can kind of bring your contract negotiations back down, a six-game a six game losing streak without him easily just brings it right back up because you're like, look what you were able to do without me. Nothing. Right, nothing. You know, this is how valuable I am. Because I wasn't out there. so and, and that, friends, is how you become mediocre in the NFL. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not a situation I'm – I've been trying to ignore it, to be 100% honest with you. Um, yeah. I just feel much, like it isn't it, getting talked about enough, honestly. I would agree with you. And it's partially me ignoring it. And it's partially I trust Eric DaCosta and Baltimore's front office to get the deal done. Um, I, I've said that multiple, multiple times. I There is – Little a thing that Baltimore's front office they could do right now that could shake my confidence in them. Mm-hmm. Now, letting Lamar Jackson walk is definitely one of those things. Um, so that that is a scary thought, but I don't think that'll happen. It's just a it's a win thing on when they'll get the deal done. All right. Next thing, uh, what's happening with Baker Mayfield? I feel like uh, nobody is talking about this at all. Um, no, and I feel like it's a, it's one of the bigger question marks going into the off season. Do the Browns run it back? I don't even think we're talking about contract extension. I just think, do you give Baker another year at this point? Yeah, do you take the fifth-year option? Um, right. I don't know, man. Um, I think you've got to look for a deal at this point. You think so? You think they give it to him? No, not an extension. you got to look for a trade. Oh, okay. Uh, cause I like Baker. I do think he still has the potential to be a franchise guy. And I said that about Sam Darnold when he landed Carolina, my, my opinion has changed obviously, but I Baker needs a change of scenery to be successful at this point. Um, I think so. Cause people ask me, they're like, do you think Baker Mayfield rebounds? Do you think he could still have a solid career? Do you still think he's a franchise guy? My, I answer the question with a question, is he still in Cleveland? Because that answer is extremely dependent upon that question at that point. Because if he stays in Cleveland, he won't be a starter. He's not a franchise guy. and You're not going to see any success out of him. But if he gets to the right spot, I think he does. Um, I, I know the GM has come out, and they already have exercised. They did that last year. They exercised his fifth-year option. Um, and he's come out and said he's – they were planning on him being our starter next year, but I mean, who knows if that holds true? You know what I mean? Like the, you never say never. So. Yeah. And it, it, it's a tough situation because he's, he's right in the middle of the pack. It, you want to put him on the bottom half of quarterbacks in the league, but he's probably around that 16, the 15, 16, 17 mark right in the middle. And we know what the upside is. The guy was the number one overall pick for a reason. And the talent is there. We saw it as rookie year, but just, I don't know. Uh, he resisted the Cleveland quarterbackers for about three years, but I think it's finally caught up to him. 
Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. I I I mean, maybe they run it back another year, but I the only reason I don't think he gets traded is what's he worth? What's somebody going to give up for him? A, a third round pick maybe? And see, and this is the thing is is it's it's all relative. It's all extremely relative and extremely hard to figure out. There's been talks that Jimmy Garoppolo is worth a first round pick. Now I know Jimmy Garoppolo is coming off an NFC title game appearance at this point, but I would rather have Baker Mayfield. Now, again, depending on where my team is at at the time, I would rather have Baker Mayfield than Jimmy Garoppolo. If I'm if I'm looking for the transition guy that's going to get me to my next franchise guy, yeah, I would rather have Jimmy Garoppolo. But if I'm looking for a possible franchise guy still, if I'm the Colts last offseason, I would have went and got Baker Mayfield. If this, you know, if the season, I don't think they go now because you just tried it for a year. Why not try a second year with that guy? Don't switch up and do the same thing again with Baker. Now that wouldn't make any sense, but Cleveland, I think is, it should be a team that should be in hot talks with green Bay. If, if there is, if green Bay is open to the quarterback swap, now Houston has made it known that they do not want a quarterback back in the trade for Deshaun Watson. They want extra capital. That's not a quarterback. Instead green Bay hasn't, we don't know what green Bay wants. And if Green Bay wants a swap, to me, that's about as good of a spot as you can get. I don't know how well Baker – I mean, the weather is obviously a lot colder in Lambeau, but it's not a – we're not talking about Florida when we talk about Cleveland. It's pretty cold there too. Cleveland automatically becomes a Super Bowl contender. We know how good that roster is. Mm-hmm. They are missing a number one wide receiver at this point, but hey, guess what is the number one commodity – in free agency this year, number one wide receivers. Guess what? There's a solid stock in the draft of it this year. Receivers. Receivers. I don't know. Have, I don't know if I'd say there's a, a large commodity of number one wide receivers in the in the free agency class. I I, I would pump the brakes on that one. You I think know so? That's not this segment, but I mean, I, outside of Devonte Adams, who are we? Who are we looking at here that you're saying is is a number one? I mean, Mike Williams was good for what, like six weeks, like eight weeks. I mean, uh, Chris me, Godwin, Chris Godwin, I'll give you, you know, Allen Robinson, potentially, you know, he's a little bit on the old side for me to be a true number one. I'd rather have him at my two slot. OBJ is probably not a number one anymore. Antonio Brown, you know, who knows what's going to go on okay. with him. Maybe it's a little over, but I think there's. I think you've got three, maybe four this year. And I don't think we probably had that many in a while. Like I don't, I couldn't tell you the last time there was three, possibly four number one options going into free agency beforehand. Um, I, I, I would, think it's, yeah. I, I, I mean, I think you have a fair point of like, there's probably, this is probably a good year to need a wide receiver. Yeah. Like, it's a bad year to need a quarterback. Good year to need a wide receiver. I, cause I also, I agree with you. Yeah. There's probably three guys in three agency that can be a one. And then there's probably what three guys in the draft this year who might potentially be ones. So yeah, which that's always a risk. Cause you got to pick the right guy. You got to make sure you take Justin Jefferson, not Jalen Rager. Yeah. Um, true. Which is, is always, true. it's always a risky thing. And that's why the F the picks, thing can work to a certain degree because who would you rather have a first round and a second round pick or Odell and Von Miller for a year? That's true. Well, depends on where my window is and the Rams proved that their window is now and they made the moves to go win now. Yeah. Whereas Cleveland, obviously with Baker, they've got some stuff to figure out. So maybe, maybe not unlocked for sure. Yeah. Maybe the draft is where they go with it. 
and you know they spend their capital to go get the quarterback, but I don't know. What pick that is uh, this year? I mean, it'll be before. Should be before Top sixteen. 14. Do they have a? They have third. Question is, do they have? I was like, do the the real question is, do they have a first round pick? They do. I, I couldn't tell you if they did or not. So they have thirteen. The pick for Baltimore. I I appreciate that. Well, it's definitely a top 16. Oh, you don't say. You know, they missed the you playoffs this year. <laughs> you don't say. Uh, but pick 13, I am. Yeah, they have oh, a really man. good chance at a wide receiver, I'd say. I'm excited to watch that play out. They have the pick right before Baltimore, too. Those, yeah. That's that's going to be a parallel I'm going to have fun looking at the next five years. Jeez, imagine missing the playoffs. Couldn't be me. Yeah. Couldn't uh, be my couldn't team. Tell. Yeah, nope. Imagine missing four of the last five years couldn't be my team either, right? Yeah, we've missed like yeah. twice in the last twenty years. So yeah, sorry, I didn't have the greatest quarterback and greatest coach of all time. Yeah, tough, some of tough us break there aren't as lucky. Yeah, I mean that's fair, but I don't know. I think they're they're in a tough spot. I think you have to go out and get a wide receiver. I think you're right. I think maybe I and honestly, there's rumors that uh that uh. Uh, gosh, what's his name? Um, Jarvis Landry might want out this year. He's apparently requested out of Cleveland. Maybe you go out and sign a guy and draft a guy. You just go all in. Yeah, I would. I would if I was if I was Cleveland. I trade down, take a receiver, take the extra capital, sign a guy to free agency. Uh, I am active. The, the The last thing that Cleveland could be, the worst thing they could do this offseason is be dormant. Right. You've got to make moves. Free agency trades, draft. You've got to make moves. You got to do something. That is yeah. for damn sure. Hundred percent. Let's uh, let's jump into the hottest topic that's going around now. Uh, Kirk Cousins' contract extension. Um, oh yeah. To me, it, I'm baffled by it. I don't know how you feel about it, but I, it makes you're a year away from getting out of mediocrity, right? Like you're right there. And you sign yourself up for three more, two more years of it. I, two, I don't get two it. Two more years that are going to be very hard to move if you change your mind. Yes. Um, and again, this I this reminds me of the Texans head coaching situation. It's The move itself doesn't confuse me a ton. The timing of it is otherworldly weird. Deshaun Watson comes out and says that Tampa Bay and Minnesota is two top destinations. If you were to get traded now, three hours later, they re-signed Kirk Cousins to a two-year extension. Mm-hmm. What are we doing? Like you just Deshaun Watson was like, "Hey, I don't mind playing there." All of a sudden, your Super Bowl window just flew open. You went from your playoff window, like you're you're missing the playoffs when you should be making it, to Deshaun Watson makes you a Super Bowl contender, most likely. Mm-hmm. definitely a playoff, you know, you're definitely a playoff team. Depending on Aaron Rodgers, you're a division champ. And they're like, nah, give me Kirk Cousins. What are we doing? Yeah, I mean, they must have a plan. Kevin O'Connell must go, you know, I can I can make this work with the weapons we have because they're they're not short of weapons. Um, no, nah, they're definitely not short of weapons at all. Defense gets healthy. That That's an interesting argument to be had um, for how good that could be. There, there's this is an interesting team. Uh, I still don't think Kirk Cousins is the guy that puts him over the hump. I, I at best, what is Kirk Cousins? Ryan Tannehill. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so he's, he's 15, 16 as well. So with little to no upside. Yeah, I, I don't think it makes any sense at all. But 
that's that's me personally. But I I would agree. But here's here's the thing again. And like I said, after the Sean Watson news, it's a little different. But this is not a year to be entering the quarterback market. True. And so maybe they're trying to avoid that. But if this year's not, that means next year probably is. And that's when his contract would have been up. So I don't know. It's 50-50 at best. It, yeah, I think he's more tradable if his contract ends at the end of the year. So they, they must be out on the quarterback market this year on, on a Deshaun Watson, I would guess, at this point. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, hey, to, to each their own, you know. I mean, God bless Minnesota. You know, they're going to be stuck in mediocrity. So. Agreed. Agreed, agreed. Well? I, uh... I think that's gonna gonna wrap it. We're gonna actually have some time to talk about the NBA. It's that time. Finally, our basketball fans rejoice. We've finally left time for the NBA to be talked about. And I just want to say one thing before the show started. Owen was like, "Man, are you sure we have enough NFL stuff to talk about to like <laughs> fill a two-hour episode?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like, we I'm need to leave solid." I'm like, we need to leave room for NBA for once. Like, we can't just keep ignoring it. And he was like, I don't know, man. We're going to have a hard time filling this. And here we are, 80 minutes into this podcast. Here we are. Now, actually, you were pretty well in the spot. You said we had about 90 minutes NFL content. You fell about six minutes short. Yeah, I was like, like, this is 90 minutes of us rambling on. And that was with one fan question. And if we had three or four, we would have probably been spot on. So, agreed. Let's let's jump into it. Uh, you know, I know we're a little bit late, so some of our takes might not be, you know, the most exciting compared to other people. But let's uh, let's do it. What do, we, what do we have to lose? Dive into some trade deadline talk here. Obviously, it's been the hot talk last week. We didn't get a chance to talk about it, but also the show is coming out. The show would have been out before the deadline and all the news basically kind of happened the day of, especially the big the big splash. Yeah, uh, that's obviously where we're going to start at. Uh, start with the biggest fish and kind of work our way down. Obviously, the big, big news being the 76ers and the Nets agreed to swap James Harden and Ben Simmons. The pieces around it, obviously. So the total trade, the 76ers got James Harden and Paul Millsap. The Nets got Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond. First round pick this year and a first round pick in 2027. Um. Who do you think won and lost this trade? See, I, I, this is always the, like, everyone always wants that initial reaction, right? That's won, 100%. Yeah. The one or lose or the grade. That's what people want. I think right now, I think the Sixers won. Um, I am of the camp of, the, you know, whoever gets the better star is going to win the trade. Now, I think Ben Simmons in Brooklyn is interesting. I think it's a good fit. Um, I think one, he doesn't have to play on the ball. Mm-hmm. He can almost slide into a three or a four role, which I think he'll thrive at much better. Um, I mean, he'll still have the ball in his hands at times. Right. But yeah, Kyrie yeah. being as ball dominant as he is, will kind of relieve from some of that and they don't need offense and he's going to add a really good defensive element to it. But I think right now this makes the 76ers at least interesting in the East. Um, yeah. Well, you know, each team took a player that wasn't playing for them and, and got a guy that's excited to be there now. Yes. So I think overall it's probably a win-win, but 
The one thing I'll say is I think the 76ers being favorites to win the East is ludicrous. I really do. Um, I, I, I don't understand it at all because have we ever seen James Harden play well in the playoffs? Like realistically, when was the last time we saw that when he had Chris Paul on his team? Yeah, it's hard to to pick out a time frame where he did. I'm not usually a huge part of the James Harden's a playoff choke artist camp, but you definitely can't make the argument that he's been earth shatteringly good in the playoffs either. Right. So, and no offense, Joel Embiid, we just haven't seen much of him in the playoffs when it comes down to it. I mean, he played, I mean, he carried him last year. Like Joel Embiid yeah. is an impact player, but I don't know if James Harden, I would say he's an upgrade over Ben Simmons in the playoffs, but I don't know if he's that good. You it all I mean? depends on the chemistry of those two guys. True. So yeah. it's a, it's a risky play. I think the Nets won this trade. Um, Interesting. Because when I look at both sides here, I have to look at what both teams are getting. Like I said, James Harden is an ad, but still being hurt. We just saw the the uh, the Sixers get destroyed by like 48 points by the Celtics last night because James Harden's not playing yet. Um, so when I look at the other side, I look at, I think, first of all, with Ben Simmons' absence, his collapse in the playoffs last year, and you know, like I said, welcome to the NBA. We like to shoot threes. And a guy that doesn't take a lot of threes and a lot of shots, people have forgotten how good this guy is. He is probably a top 10 defender in this league. He is a mismatch on offense. And I think him not having to be the number one option or even the number two option on away really? games yeah. is going to really, really help this guy's confidence. And for a guy that has been really you know nervous around the media or whatever you want to call it like he's never really handled the media well or social media well for a guy to land next to Kevin Durant I don't think there's a better fit and well also here's the thing it's going to be very volatile or it's going to work very well right either well, Kevin Durant's going to contribute to it and he is going to collapse harder than any human being has ever collapsed or he's going to hop on the the Kevin Durant train and just start flipping everyone off and not caring what anyone thinks I think I think I, yeah, because honestly, I haven't I've learned not to trust a Kevin Durant led team, right? When he <laughs> played second fiddle in Golden State at work, but feels like every time he's the guy, there's always some somebody's not happy or the chemistry's off or something's going wrong. Like I don't know, I don't know if the rumors are true that he was the reason that Harden wanted out because they weren't getting along, but like it's not a good look either way, right? At the end of the day, or or Durant wanted him gone, but I think. In the long run, right? I think Brooklyn will win if Ben Simmons gets back to a high level, right? Like mm-hmm. a younger player, you know, still there's some upside to him. Nowhere near as good of a score, but can drive, you know, play the post well. A great defender. That's, I can't understate that enough. Like, I felt like he always got slept on for how good of a defender he really was. Agreed. Uh, yeah. And again, Playing next to a, a Kevin Durant and a Kyrie Irving, what better fit is there? That's true. Because and, and the media pressure is not going to be as bad in Brooklyn. Because, yeah, because guess what? We're talking about Kyrie's COVID vaccination status and how Kevin Durant cussed out Michael Rappaport on Instagram last week. Well, Who cares if Ben Simmons can shoot threes now? And the other thing is they're always going to be second fiddle to the Knicks. Doesn't matter how good Brooklyn is. Like, that city is a Knicks city. 
I mean, they were cheering for Steph the other day. When, we're you we're know, four a days, ago. you know, we're, we're how many ever days removed from this? And the biggest storyline today was how much of an embarrassment the Knicks were from blowing a 28-point lead to the Nets. Guess who didn't get talked about at all? Yeah. The Nets didn't get talked about today. It wasn't the Nets came back down from 28 in one of the largest comebacks in NBA history. It was the Knicks blew it again. They're terrible. Yeah. So, And I hate to, I hate to read that headline. But the Knicks I, fans that we are, I know. I don't even want to talk about the Knicks yet. Like we're going to focus on trade deadline this episode. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about the Knicks. We'll be depressed later. Yeah, but so I, I don't know. I mean, I do also like Andre Drummond for the Nets too. I think that that'll help their post game a little bit. Um, so I, I, I really hope they play each other in the playoffs. That's the only thing I have to say. Um, I hope we get this matchup. I hope Ben Simmons finds what he needs. I hope James Harden gets what he needs. Uh, I think I think it makes it interesting to say the least. Yeah, and and outside the other reason why I think the the Nets won is because you add Seth Curry, who's dynamite. You pair him with Joe Harris coming off your one of them off your bench, one in your starting lineup most likely. And again, their their five spot has been weak at best. Like yeah, we're talking about a team that is relying on Andre Drummond, Blake Griffin, and was Paul Millsap to play their five minutes. And are now, I'm not a huge fan of Andre Drummond. He's very old school style big, but you don't need a lot of offensive scoring from him. So as long as he keeps his head on straight, he's going to fit well there as well. So like leaving the picks out of it, I just, I like what the Nets got back too much. And unless the Sixers were to go win a title, it's hard for me to be like, they won this, you know, they won the trade. I, I don't know. I think, I think if they're a contender for the next two or three years, I think they won, but yeah. I They've also got to get a deal done with James Harden here in the near future as well. That's true. And and it's not like Ben Simmons was playing for him anyways. So um, Agreed, yeah. you want to get into the next one? Yeah, bring it on. Let's hop down to uh, the Pacers Kings trade. Yeah, the Pacers Kings trade. This is the other one that was kind of big and weird to me. Um, uh, Pacers get Tyler. I, I'm not going to be able to say half these people's names. You might as well read it. Okay. So the Pacers uh, acquired Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson, who's now being bought out of his contract. Uh, the Kings got Demontis Sabonis, Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb, and a 2023 second-round pick. Um, this is another trade that was so weird because this is – it's a trade when you look at it, if I had to leave the record out of it, and I'm just looking at what each team is doing – or like I'm looking at what each team is trying to get done, I guess, from the trade. I'm looking, the Kings are looking to buy. That's what this deal looks like to me. And the Kings are 20 and 35, nowhere near the playoffs and never have been in the last five years, never will be in the next three years, in my opinion, be close to contending for a playoff spot at this point. So it's a team that was buying at a team that's 15 games below 500 buying at the deadline. It was extremely confusing to say the least. There, there was some factors here that I think it's confusing on both ends. I get why the Pacers were sellers. Um, I don't get the what they got back. I mean, it may it makes more sense from the Pacers standpoint because you do get Tyrese, who's going to be a budding star. You get Buddy Heald, um, so you have a backcourt already, like immediately, like you, your your backcourt is set now. Um, For the Kings, yeah, I think it makes no sense. I guess it relieves their backcourt some, and it gives them some frontcourt help. Um, But I I don't know. I I think for both teams, this is just kind of a a weird trade because it's not like it puts either one of them over the hill. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. I and and also I don't think either team was close to get over the hill in the first place. Like neither team was even at the base of the hill, let alone trying to get over it at this point. If if these teams traded away these to like contenders, I'd be like, oh, okay, I see this. Like this makes yeah. some sense to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, if, the, if if one of these teams was buying to make it into the playoffs or get into title contention, but neither team is close to to either thing at this point. Right. Yeah. Like none of it, none of it makes a ton of sense, you know? Yeah. hundred percent agreed. So. Um, like I, I, I think again, I, I have to look at what each team is getting and what each team is going to do with the pieces that they acquired. I think the Pacers win the steal. Um, I like Tyrese Halliburton a lot. I like his attitude. I think he plays the game the right way. He's a good facilitator. His jump shot is weird. I don't know if you've ever seen his shooting form. I have. I've I've seen the clips going around. Very right weird. But again, if you're making it, who cares? I mean, true. That's that's the bottom line situation there. If as long as you're making the shot, who cares how it goes in? Um, I think he's going to be a star in this league. It'll be interesting to see if he can develop in Indiana. I think him developing in Sacramento was a weird thing to try to see as well. Um, they add Buddy Heels, who can still be, I think, a decent rotational piece going forward. Um, and they kind of had to eat Tristan Thompson's contract. It is sad to see Sabonis go. He was butting into an all-star. If he was already an all-star level player, in my opinion. Um, I, don't, didn't... I don't get that for the Pacers. Like, I mean, how many guys are they going to get to want to come there? And they had a guy there who was going to be an all-star level player. Like, why not keep him? Like, what are you gaining from this trade? I, uh, I, don't, I don't get it. I do agree with that point. Um, I don't agree with, I agree with what they got in the long run. Like if they were like, I'll give you Tyrus Halliburton, I can understand because there was talks that Sabonis wasn't going to resign, which Mm. also poses another issue in of itself. So I wouldn't, uh, it's really weird. It's weird on both sides. I think that's the number one takeaway we both have. Um, but I like what the Pacers got back a little bit more than the Kings because, again, the Kings also decided not to deal Harrison Barnes at the deadline. A lot of teams were looking to buy him as, like, you know, everyone's looking for the 3 and D wing to add to contenders, the Robert Covingtons, the P.J. Tuckers, the Eric Gordons. They were A lot of teams were looking at, at um, Harrison Barnes this way, and they said they were going to hold on to him for a playoff push. And I'm like... You're 20 and 35, right? You're not even close. And I don't think this move puts them to a spot where I go, okay, yeah, they're going to get there now. I would agree. And it's just, it's very weird to say the least. I don't, I don't know. I don't even know what else to say about that deal. To be yeah. It, it just, it feels like a deal that like in three years, we're never going to talk about because it's, like none of the players are going to be playing on the team that they're currently on or got traded to. You know what I mean? So yeah, the the way that we're talking about this, in my opinion from now is if the Kings are in, you know, a top four seed in the West with Sabonis leading the charge, or if Tyrese Halliburton has blossomed into an all-star and like a top 10 point guard in the league. And I don't think we're going to see either one of those to be honest with you. So yeah, I, I would agree with you. Alrighty. Next trade up. Um, let's see. You want to talk you, about? Huh? What do you want to hop to next? What do you think? Let's talk about uh, the Mavs trade. They get Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, Davis, and the Wizards end up getting Porzingis and a, a 
second round pick in 2022. It basically this to me was the Mavericks going, okay, we made a mistake. Um, Porzingis isn't the player we were kind of hoping he would be. They really yeah. thought he was going to be a strong second. And he's honestly, I mean, we've talked about it before, I think on this podcast of he's really a three more than he is a two um, and a solid three, but not a great three, you know? Yeah. I think, I don't know. Cause I agree with you to a certain extent, but I also feel like Luca isn't the most, hasn't been the most gracious one. Like the, the, the main knock I've had on Luca's game has been the hero ball and it kills you at certain times. And that's like that play style has never really helped the options around you. You know, it doesn't make the guys around you look good, you know? So it, it's a double-edged sword. Cause I'm a little conflicted about it. I feel like they could have gotten more back. I like Spencer Dinwiddie. And Davis Bertans is a low end is going to do what you wanted from Porzingis. He's going to stretch the floor well. He's one of the, he's one of the better three point shooting bigs that we have in the league. In Davis Bertans, but watching Luca playing the one slash two and Jalen Brunson having the career year it is, it was weird to see them go after another guard. Mm-hmm. Um, but here we are. So I don't know. This deal is a. It's again. It's I guess. <laughs> The bottom line, and so we don't say this for every trade that doesn't really involve title contenders, trade deadline stuff is really hard to grade when it's not guys that are contending for titles trading. Right. And I don't think either of these teams are contending for titles this year. Yeah, I mean, I it, the reason that I kind of like this move for Dallas more than some other moves is the fact that it's going to clear some space and give them an opportunity to go out and get a guy Yeah, more than anything. So I think... If anything, it sets Dallas up well in the future. Again, I agree with you. I don't think either one of these teams are contending for for the championship. The Wizards fell off hard this year. Uh, I think Bradley Beal's having season-ending surgery coming up here. Uh, but, man, they were a hot team to kind of start out the year, and, and this kind of all fell apart. Yeah. Um, the Bulls have held it together to this point. The Wizards haven't. So... We'll kind of, we'll, we'll see where it goes, but I don't know. I think the next trade that I kind of want to get into is probably, we'll just go down the list. I think we can go in order. We probably don't have okay. time to hit all of them. So we'll just hop straight into the, the, the Bucks and the Clippers deal. Mm-hmm. So the, the Bucks get Serge Ibaka, two second round picks and cash considerations from the Clippers. And the Clippers get Rodney Hood, Semi Ojale, and a guy's per name, name that I cannot pronounce. <laughs> that I've never heard of before. <clears throat> so for the Bucks, I like this deal a lot. Um, giving up Rodney Hood is 50 50 because he was a solid contributor to their title run last year. Yeah. But they needed a little bit more help inside. And um, I think Serge Ibaka fits the need perfectly. He fits in with what they do down low. When you look at the two main bigs that they kind of run in their rotation in Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis, they both do two things well. They rebound the ball well, and they shoot threes, and that's exactly what Serge Baca does. Before uh, you get too deep, you're missing two teams on this trade. Oh, um, is this a four-team deal? This is the four-team deal. Uh, Kings got sense. Devante DiVincenzo, Josh Jackson, 
uh, Trey Lyles, another guy that doesn't matter, second round pick, and the Pistons got Marvin Bagley. So, well, oh man, you're okay. We'll we'll let's run this through. We can run it through team by team. Okay. Um, I I do like the move for the Bucks at the end of the day. Um, they gave up some pieces that I maybe wouldn't have, but I feel like they do get Serge Ibaka, who will be good in their rotation. Agreed. Yeah. I think he has a chance to make an impact this year. Um, I mean, you're not getting Serge Baca from three years ago, right? Like he's not going to be out there playing, you know, 30 to 25 minutes a night, but yeah, they don't need him to, honestly, they just need him to be a rotational guy to give him some big help uh, to, to play backup center. Yeah. To just kind of fill in some minutes that they need off the bench down low. And I think he's going to do that. Well, um, I agree. I so I like the ad for them, um, for the Clippers. Again, it's a team that's kind of in a weird spot right now. Kawhi out for the year. PG's been up and down. I like the ad addition of Rodney Hood. Um, they gave away cash considerations and one of the guys' names that we can't pronounce in this deal. Yeah. So I, I feel like they honestly it was a solid deal for them. They didn't give up much, and Rodney Hood I think can contribute on a title team, and if nothing else, can be a guy that you trade away to a contending title team, um, you know, at the deadline next year or maybe in the off season for some draft capital or something like that. And I like Simi Ojale a little bit. I haven't seen a ton of him. Uh, he yeah. hasn't played a ton yet, so kind of have to see where he lands amongst the rankings. He hasn't really gotten a chance to prove himself that much. Um, for the Kings, again, I think it's a it's a win. Uh, they move a second round pick away. One of the guys' names we can't pronounce. Yeah, and and Marvin Bagley, who's disgruntled and being more of a distraction than anything at this point. You move those guys. You know, you move those the pick and the two guys. You get Dante Divincenzo, who's been solid as a, a decent rotational piece. Yeah. Josh Jackson, another guy that's kind of a draft bust, but again, rotational can rotational be okay. piece. Yeah. At the very least. Yeah. Trey Lyles, rotational piece, a solid big shooting. He does the same thing that Sabonis does. You get the same thing. Sabonis hits the bench. Trey Lyles comes in, does the exact same thing. And then you get a second round pick back from the one you gave away. So you break even if nothing else. Now Detroit, or Detroit is where this gets a little interesting. I mean, they gave up a second round pick and two second round picks, Trey Lyles and Josh Jackson. Yeah. Uh, you take a chance on Marvin Bagley. He was a top five pick for a reason. You have Cade Cunningham. Maybe they unlock some type of duo going forward. If you're Detroit, what do you have to lose? That's not... that's, that's exactly what I was going to say for Detroit. The only way that this makes any sense is because okay, we have nothing to lose. We're clearly not buyers. We'll take on this big salary that Marvin Bagley, I mean, I say big, it's relatively big. Um, and if anything, he gets to be part of a young team that's going to develop, hopefully, you know? And they can develop together. Yeah. I, I think if anything for Marvin Bagley, it gives him a chance to at least get on the court and play again. Yeah, get so the fresh start. That'll be helpful. Um Again, this this trade outside of the Bucks really didn't feel like it moved the needle for anyone. Um, mm-hmm. For the Pistons, I do like it because you get a chance. You know what I mean? Where Josh Jackson, we kind of know what he is. We know what Trey Lyles is. They're they're rotational guys. Um, 
Marvin Bagley at least still has a high upside. You know, he's yeah, rotational uh, guys don't do anything when you're in the cellar, right? Exactly. Then being trade capital to go get guys that are better, you know, to contenders. So, I mean, Marvin Bagley is kind of like the Jameis Winston to me where there's still a lot of hype around him. I'm not sure why, but who knows? Maybe he blows up and he becomes, you know, a really good starter for them. Yeah. Um, be interesting to see what happens. Like I said, if nothing else, the change of scenery is what's going to help him the most. Yeah. Uh, the next one, probably, I think, probably the second biggest deal at the I deadline. I think so. Behind the Ben Simmons and James Harden swap. The Pelicans acquire CJ McCollum, Larry Nance Jr., and Tony Snell from the Blazers. The Blazers, in return, acquire Josh Hart, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Thomas Zadaransky, Didi Luzarda, a first-round pick this year that's lottery-protected, and then a 2026 and 2027 second-round pick swap. Um, I I think I don't know. I my initial thoughts are what what do the Blazers get out of this that makes any sense? Do you can you make sense of this deal for me for the Blazers side of things? The only way this deal makes sense is if they go do something with the money that they freed up. Mm-hmm. Um, this is which it, it reminds me a lot of the New York moving Porzingis thing. They're like, oh, we have three max contract spots now. We have a chance to go get. So and so, so and so, and so and so, and you're like, okay, well, who the hell are those three guys going to play with? You know, Damian right. Lillard is obviously still there. I know this, but you're like, oh, we freed up a max contract spot, and you're like, okay, yeah, you also gave away your second best player, leaving Damian Lillard being the only guy that people are going to want to come here to play with. Um, so it is kind of a puzzling move because I think we, I think the the upside has kind of died down on the three of the four guys they got back. I think Josh Hart's kind of set his spot as the the sniper in the rotation, the the Seth Curry, the the Joe Harris in your rotation. Yeah. But I think Nikhil Alexander Walker has a little bit of upside, but he plays the exact same position that um that Dame does. He's gonna be a backup point guard. I think right now what they're betting on going forward is Damian Lillard, Anthony Simons emergence and Nasir Little has played extremely well. So I think this is a team that is trying to move stuff around and try to go after a big star. And and I don't think they're going to win a title with their one and two options being Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, now that you say it like that, it, it makes more sense the move does. I just feel like this is a small haul for CJ McCollum. I, mean, I would agree with you. For, for a guy that's going to come in and he could be a two and definitely could be a three on a championship team. Yeah. Uh, I, it, it did feel like a small haul. I would agree with you. I mean, just or just an interesting maybe. I mean, they got volume, but the the value maybe wasn't there, especially for a team in Portland who's competing with the Pelicans directly for a playoff spot this year. Yeah. I think if you're the Trailblazers, you probably don't want to make the playoffs, and the Pelicans are trying to push. Um, for the flip side, for me, I think the Pelicans. This is this is a good move. I really think it is. I would agree. Um, yeah. I not, not only for this year, I think it makes them a playoff team, right? Which I think is improvement. I think once you get Zion back, you've got a lot of a lot of pieces around Zion at this point. Yeah, this is a very interesting five going into next year at this point um, and into the postseason if they can get him healthy. Because when you look at this team, a team that is captained by Zion, you have Brandon Ingram. I have 
now CJ McCollum. I have Devontae Graham running the one, who's extremely underrated. Jonas Valanciunas is solid at the five. Jackson Hayes is off the bench. Like, they, they have some pieces. I think what this trade did is kind of did give away some of their depth and their young pieces that they have, which can hurt. But again, the only way that hurts is if you're a title contender. And right now, this is a team that is still trying to get into the title contention spot before they even talk about, you know, that portion of the deal. Yeah, I think, I mean, Larry Nance is a, is a rotational piece too. Um, yeah. So I don't, I, I don't hate adding that. Uh, I, I think this sets up the Pelicans well, because if you're the Pelicans, you're never going to get Kevin Durant. You're not going to get some of these big names, right? Like, I don't, yeah, I don't no think way. you ever will. No. So for them, this is a really good third fiddle for this team. You know what I mean? I, I think the best that this team could be set up possibly, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And, and to be a hundred percent honest with you, this is probably the most shocking move at the deadline, in my opinion. Because I was surprised they were buyers, the, honestly. Yeah, the Pelicans are, again, not a team that usually gets active when it comes to these move spots. They're a team that kind of just, all right, well, we draft a generational talent, but we're not going to do anything to put anything around him. And the one generational talent that can't stay healthy is all of a sudden the guy that they want to give support to. Right. So uh, it's confusing, to say the least. But I, I like what the Blazers did. I, I like what the Pelicans did. And again, the Blazers are banking on development and being able to bring in a bigger star than CJ McCollum in the future. Yeah. So if they don't smart. do that, though, this is a this is to me is a failure of a trade. Yeah. Um, you have to back this up with another trade or a free agency signing for this to feel like it was worth it. You want to jump into the? Let's jump into the next one. I actually yeah. I think this is another interesting pick to say the least. Is this the last one? Last one we got? Yeah, this is the last one we got. All right, bring it on. So. The Cavs acquired Karis LeVert and a second-round pick via Miami, and the Pacers acquired Ricky Rubio, a first-round pick that is lottery-protected this year, and two second-round picks in this draft from Houston and Utah. Um, this is a weird – I love this for Cleveland. I do um, too. I'm glad you said that. Ricky Rubio is hurt right now, so it's it's a puzzling move to the Pacers in my opinion. Uh, after a team that did just, I like Ricky Rubio going forward with them. It's confusing for this year, but the Cavs have been the the sneaky team in the East so far. Uh, as have. much as the Bulls have been great and the Wizards were good and kind of fell off, the Cavaliers have been consistent. Evan Mobley is probably a rookie of the year at this point in time. Darius Garland's an All Star. Colin Sexton is still extremely solid. They have their rotation of bigs down low. Jared Allen is now an All Star. They add Karis LeVert at the deadline. This team is not a team I want to play in the first round of the playoffs or the second round for that matter. This this team feels like the Hawks last year where they're a young team that's overperforming. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, I I like the move. I like Karis LeVert over Ricky Rubio. I know they just signed Ricky Rubio this, this offseason, but NBA contracts mean nothing anymore. Same thing with first round picks. Like, I don't know what like draft capital means in the NBA anymore because – Nothing. You can have a top five pick and it means nothing because I mean, I, I, most of them end up being bust. Some of them end up being rotational slash starter guys and very few of them become stars. So yeah, it, it's, it's a tough spot to be in. I like the fact that the Cavs are buying. Uh, I think that was I agree. smart. It's another team that it was, I was surprised that they were, it's a team that you shouldn't be surprised as buying, but I was surprised that they actually did buy, you know? Yeah, I agree. Um, so I like the move for them a lot. 
if you if you had to pick kind of one overall winner at the deadline, if you feel like who who made the best move, who would you say out of all these teams? Uh, I I think it's tough to not say Philadelphia because Philadelphia pre-trade deadline was not a contender, right? They were a playoff team, but not a contender without another star next to Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. And I think now they're a contender. And I think that right there is the biggest gain that you can get, right? Going from a non-playoff team to a playoff team is a boost, but not a big boost. Whereas going from a playoff team to a contender is, is what everyone's striving to do, right? Like if you're in that spot, that's the best case scenario you can get out of being a playoff team or out of the trade deadline. So I think it has to be Philadelphia. Um, You know, it's funny that you say that. Because I'm gonna take the flip side of that same deal, and I think, I think to me the Nets are the winners of this deadline because, um, yeah, I think this is a team that should have been the best team in the East, and I think what this deal is going to recapture that title going forward from the Heat, from the Bulls, from the Bucks. Um, this is a team, and again, I wish that they would have been able to trade Kyrie instead, so they would have the full time starters instead of, you know, a guy that's still only playing away games. Mm-hmm. But uh, to me, this is a team that added, and it's it's, it's about Ben Simmons, because again, I think everyone's kind of vastly underrating what he can bring to your basketball team when you when he's not relied upon as the first option in this offense, and we all know he won't be, but also what they got around it. The rotational, pe- rotational pieces go a long way in what you're able to do in the playoffs and they added Mm -hmm. Seth Curry, who's one of the most efficient three point scores we've ever seen in this league. And Andre Drummond, who is one of the better rebounders in this league as well. And they had a need at center. Joe Harris was kind of having a down year. They had a need at shooter and you add Ben Simmons, who doesn't have to play at an earth shattering level for you to feel really good about it. Um, And if nothing else, James Harden at this point, it didn't feel like it was really working as well as they had wanted it to. Yeah. And, you know, so, and I think it's a win for both teams because neither guy was happy in their current spot. So I don't think either team lost this trade, in my opinion. I, it's, I think it's an the, important distinction. The hard part for me with, with your end of the deal is you're asking me to trust Kyrie and Kevin Durant, and I just can't do it. I mean, if Kyrie can only play in half their games in the playoffs, I don't see how they're a contender team. I really don't. And, and who knows things might change. Um, but I don't think Ben Simmons and, and uh, Kevin Durant in the playoffs against some of these other teams in the Eastern conference, like the heats and the, and the bucks and the 76ers. I don't think it beats them. You know what I mean? I think on the road, they have an advantage, but at home, man, that's going to be tough. I think you have a fair point. And the only thing that I think that I have to counter that would be the fact that Kyrie Irving and James Harden were not playing last year. And Kevin Durant wears a size 17 shoe. And if he wore a size 16, the Nets would have made the finals. They were, uh, he took that, that game winning shot against, he almost took Milwaukee down. Thanks to Mike Budenholzer's terrible coaching. He almost took the bucks down in the Eastern conference finals single-handedly. So now he's not playing as well as he was last year, but He's still Kevin Durant. I think that's an, that's an important distinction to make. So, and it all comes down to how well they gel. Like I said, this is 
a trade that I think the Nets could really win because I think it takes the pressure off Ben Simmons. It allows him to do what he does playmaking and defensively. And he doesn't have the pressure to be such an offensive force as he had in Philadelphia, but also who better to learn self-confidence from Kevin Durant. But if it rubs the wrong way, it could take this completely from the positive to the negative side really quickly. Like it, it could tank from him learning to not give a shit about what people think from Kevin Durant to Kevin Durant being the one that's giving him the most shit out of anybody, True. which is not going to be positive for the Nets going forward. Yeah. Um, so I, I like what both teams did. I like what the Cavs did. And I, I really like what the Pacers did as well. Um, it, with the caveat that Sabonis wasn't going to resign, obviously. I also I also like what the Bucks did too. So I did too. The the Serge Ibaka ad was a solid rotation. That's the move that you expect from the contender, I think. Yes, absolutely. So that is going to do it for episode twenty. Um, make sure you guys go follow BDL TikTok Boys Don't Lie podcast on TikTok. We're posting near daily at this point. We should have a TikTok out by the time the show's out from from us too. Uh, me and Sam have been doing our 82 and 0 challenges. We redrafted the all-star, the all-star game this last week. So mm. make sure you follow there. Follow us I'm on Twitter. I'm excited for that one. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. It was a good one. Um, so make sure you follow us on Twitter as well. Owen underscore Burke. Also follow Tim at Pisswarm Takes. Um, we'll have some updates about the show going forward. Obviously with football winding down now going into the off season, some format changes. We actually got a chance to talk about the NBA today. So obviously we're going to talk about that in the future, possible dead weeks coming up with just focus on BDL for the next week or two, maybe. So we'll, we'll try to keep you guys as well updated as possible. We'll make sure we get a TikTok out about that as well. And if you guys ever have any questions, Hey, is there a show coming out this week? Don't feel, I mean, if you have me on, I mean, if you follow me on Twitter, I'll answer there, Snapchat, text, whatever it is. So, um, Tim, you got anything to add before we get out of here? No, I, uh, it's been a, it was a great football season. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on this journey with us. We, we appreciate it. We appreciate every single one of you. If you listen to every single episode, man, I don't know. Tell me so I could send you a gift basket or something. Uh, <laughs> a fruit basket. It is, uh, it is a task to sit here and listen to us ramble for two hours. And if you did it 20 times, man, I don't know what to tell you. Also, as much as I'm sending you a first basket, I might have to check you into a mental hospital because it takes a special kind of crazy to do that. Absolutely. Uh, so thank you guys all for coming along with us on the journey. We appreciate you greatly. Um, not sure when the next Owen show comes out. We will be back. It's not the end by stretch. We may take a week or two off. Oh, uh, yeah. Two weeks, two weeks max, I would say. And yeah, then we'll, we, we'll we're, be back at it heavy and hard. We, we're we usually itching to do a show each week. So even a week off is going to kill us. So if two, man, you better be ready for the comeback for episode yeah. 21. Well, don't, you're, you're going to hear us two hours a week. You know, give us two weeks off and and don't uh don't sleep because we're coming back talking about NFL off seasons, probably some rankings, of course more NBA talk, especially as the playoffs heat up. Um, be be ready for us. That's all. Yeah, hundred percent. So until then, make sure you guys go listen to BDL out now. One on one in the mansion coming out as well. Make sure you guys listen to all the content we coming out. Follow us on TikTok. Follow us on Twitter. Keep it locked with us. Until then. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll see you guys next week. Or I guess not next week. I'll see you on BDL next week. Tim and I will see you down the road somewhere. We'll see you soon. Agreed.